This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is Thursday, August 4th, 2020-something. Yeah. Uh, 2022, of course. Uh, Lots coming up on the show today. Today, Bob Thompson, former president of Fox Sports Network, joins us at 8.30 Mountain Time. Uh, He's got a lot of answers for us. That's a guy that's been right there in the middle of a lot of these TV negotiations uh, over his career. Today is a significant day for the Pac-12. It is the expiration of the exclusive negotiating period with Fox Sports and ESPN. So what happens now? We'll talk about that. We have got to get into um, this situation with the NBA. Are the Utah Jazz better off waiting until next summer to trade Donovan Mitchell? Do you know all the free agents in 2023? We'll talk about all that. Obviously, we are still giving away a trip for two uh, to Las Vegas to see BYU. BYU. Take on Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series, October 7th and 8th. And uh, all you have to do to uh, enter to win that contest there is head to any barbecue pit stop in the state of Utah, which includes Lehigh, Layton, Logan, Salt Lake City, and St. George. Uh, There's an enter to win box on the counter. Fill out the slip, drop it in the box, then join us uh, Saturday, September 17th for a BYU-Oregon watch party at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. At halftime of that game, we are going to pull the winner of the trip for two to see Notre Dame and BYU in the Shamrock Series. So again, go to any of the Barbecue Pit Stops in Utah. Um, The one in Logan is amazing. It's huge. They have a full-time butcher there. Uh, The Layton store... The Lehigh store is awesome. Uh, Murray is fantastic. Like, you can't go wrong. Any of the barbecue pit stop stores, hook it up, fill out the slip, drop it in the box, you can win. Uh, And then join us in Lehigh on September 17th to watch Oregon and BYU. And at halftime of that game, we'll pull the winner. And it is all brought to you by our good friend, Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. NMLS number 278545. Call Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage today. 801-543-9666. 801-543-9666. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Pac-12 is the topic of conversation this morning, and that is because today ends the exclusive negotiating period for the Pac-12 with Fox and ESPN. And the question now is, What's next? Because it seems like we have hit the brakes in conference realignment, Big 12 expansion, Pac-12 expansion, and what happens to the Utah Utes? Because you have, uh, by CBS Sports count, the number four team in the country in the Utah Utes in limbo when it comes to TV and conference affiliation. And it feels like the Utah Utes deserve better. Where do they go from here? Well, if you are Chris Hill, the former athletic director at Utah, who said yesterday he told John Wilner that the Utah Utes and their alumni do not want to leave the conference because they don't have any fans or alumni in Waco. They're all in the Bay Area. 
Jake, what should the Utah Utes do? Yeah, I think that that's a, you know, with all due respect, I think that's a rather ignorant take, if I'm being honest. I think to sit here and say that that Utah doesn't have fans in other parts of the country or that Utah couldn't go to, you know, the Big 12 or, or obviously the Big 10 and, and do nice things is, is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. And, and, and to me, if I'm Utah, I mean, obviously the Big 10 is, is where I want to go, but I think the Big 12 is more realistic. The problem with the Big 12 is that geographically speaking, it's not great. I mean, you're, you're, in, you're in rural uh, America, if you will. You're in the Midwest, like... You know, it's a different feel than what the Pac-12 has traditionally had. And and as much as I don't like, you know, the ACC and, and you know, their rights deal and how that's all set up and, you know, the fact that you have to pay half a billion dollars to leave that conference at any time, they do have, you know, the, the New York region, if you will. They do have, you know, some bigger markets. So... I just think if I'm if I'm Utah, I I don't think that staying in the Pac-12 just on its own is an option, and and I feel like that's what we're kind of hearing without anyone saying it. Well, you know, because well, we don't want to really go to the Big 12, or or we don't want to do this or that. All right, well, what are you left with if you don't want to go to the Big 12? The Big 10 is probably not going to happen. The ACC is probably a little too complicated to get done. Where else are you going to go? And and that's my biggest thing here. Like the Pac-10 now as as it as it will stand, uh it doesn't have Southern California. That's a huge problem from a TV revenue per school conversation. So, I don't I, I if I'm Utah like I for me I would be trying to get to the Big 12 because I do think there's more opportunity for you there, but I, well, it remains to be seen. You know what I find so interesting about all of this, and, and specifically what Chris Hill said yesterday? Are you telling me that you can't build a fan base in Waco, te- Texas? If you, are, if you are Utah and you join the Big 12, are you telling me you don't have the pull to build a fan base in Waco? Are you telling me that you only want to play games where your alumni are? So you only want to play games in the Bay Area. Like, I, I just think that's short-sighted. All you care about, if you are Utah, is getting the most money from your TV deal every year. And I think you care about a, a good quality schedule. And currently in the Pac-12, I just don't think that's afforded to you. And I also think that if you don't add, if you're the Pac-12 and you do not add at least one Big 12 school in San Diego State, I think you're in trouble. And I know that the TV numbers and the viewership numbers and the market numbers, you mentioned the ACC. Yeah. The ACC has a huge advantage in that Syracuse is in that conference. That gets you the state of New York. Like, you have all of these advantages in other conferences. What's your advantage in the Pac-12? And that's the thing that's so hard to understand and comprehend is that I don't see the built-in advantages that are supposedly there that Chris Hill talks about with alumni and fan bases and I don't see that in the Pac-12. I see history and tradition. I see that if the Big 12 adds schools, and you're already adding some prolific programs in BYU and Cincinnati, you're already adding the, the city of Houston and that region of Texas, you're adding South Florida. One of the things that is so critical in my mind is perception versus reality. Neither the Big 12 nor the Pac-12 has any momentum. And the fact of the matter is today with this, you know, exclusive negotiating period ending with ESPN and Fox, it changes nothing. 
Yeah. It changes absolutely nothing. There's never been an expectation that the Pac-12 was going to get a deal before the end of business today. Because if you're the Pac-12, why would you? Why would you want that? When you have another conference, in, and frankly, the mega money conference in the Big Ten negotiating a deal, don't you want to see what the Big Ten does first? But I think there's also another problem. I think you've got to get this done. And from a football perspective, from a recruiting perspective, you've got to get this done before the season starts. Because yeah. if you're in limbo TV-wise and you're having to compete with the SEC, who is not in limbo, and you're having to compete with the Big Ten, who is not in limbo. In fact, the Big Ten has huge momentum. And if you are George Klyovkov and all you can do is argue back and forth orally with the Big 12... I said orally, with the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see that you have a, a real path to victory here if you're the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, I think, and the other problem is is the Pac-12 doesn't exactly have some glowing track record of great TV deals. You know, that's that's the thing to me that is troubling. Like, you're trying to put together a TV deal, or, or really it should be the verbiage is distribution deal because nowadays, you know, you've got TV and streaming and a bunch of different ways you can go about it. So you're trying to put together a distribution deal, but but you have never shown the ability to do that at, at as high of a level as the other conferences. So that's why I say, like, this whole concept of, hey, Utah is going to stay in the Pac-12, to me, is ludicrous. I, I don't see any incentive to stay in the Pac-12 or what will be the Pac-10. You're not going to be playing SC anymore. You're not going to be getting these big-time you know, games anymore because I, kids are not stupid. No. When you're, when you're recruiting players and stuff, they're not stupid. Like No kid is going gonna, is gonna to sit here and say, okay, yeah, I want to go, I wanna go to Utah in the Pac-10, where mom and pop can't really see me on TV ever, or do I want to go to, I don't know, Ohio State, where they're going to see me every single weekend? Yeah, I think the kid's going to go to Ohio State. Now, I don't think that's really a conversation. So that's why I say, like, I just can't, logically speaking, get down with this concept of the Pac uh, of staying in the Pac-12, I, I unless there is some sort of just, like, revolutionary or like over the top distribution deal that you know just cranks up that revenue per school number and brings a ton of value to the athlete i just don't know why you would you would stay and the other thing is i thought was very interesting was john kinzano um compared the pac-12 and the big 12 to mls and talked about how mls is only on apple tv and I don't think that's an option. I, I truly don't think that putting Pac-12 games exclusively on YouTube TV or exclusively on Amazon Prime, I just don't think that's an option. Well, here's the thing. That would be better than what you have now. That's the problem. Absolutely. It would, would be way better than what you have now. I agree with you. I don't I, like I don't think from a for a football product that you just want to be on one one singular platform, like, hey, we're just going to be here, but you can't find us on DirecTV, or we're just going to yeah. be here, but you can't find us there. Like, that's never a good idea. But, but I, th frankly, and it's kind of embarrassing, I guess. It's that would be better than what you have now, mainly because M Dish Network is just not what what people are watching their football on. Yeah, I think people are watching their football on their phones. Yeah, and I I think that. You have to have leverage in these conversations. And I just don't think either one of these conferences does. And that's that's the biggest issue. And now it seems like, 
know, everybody's reporting there's no appetite for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to get together and merge. And you have George Glyovkov a week ago, essentially tomorrow, um, a week ago, saying that, you know, he's not sure if the Pac-12 is going shopping in the Big 12. And I just think we're at the point of ridiculousness. And what the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have to understand is, is their apocalypse is here. It's yeah. not coming. The tidal wave isn't coming. It's here. It's arrived already. You yeah. are on death's doorstep. Both of these conferences, one is not better than the other. And we, I, I know we talk about this ad nauseum, at, at nauseum, rather. but who's in a better position, the Big 12 or the Pac-12? I would say neither because neither one of them have a great TV deal, although I would say obviously the Big 12's TV deal is better. I think you're adding BYU to the conference, which brings you more exposure on ESPN. That's better. I think if you're the Big 12, you have more TV options. Yeah. Um, we've talked at length on this show about this Notre Dame, um, you know, Big 12 partnership. Now, Notre Dame's not joining the Big 12 conference, but you can do a deal with Notre Dame as a package on NBC. If NBC is amenable to that and all the parties can come together financially, that makes more sense to me than anything the Pac-12 is doing. But is that really a long-term solution? Is NBC a major player in college football? No, but they certainly have the assets to be. Mm -hmm. They can stream for you. You're Clearly, you can get in more households on, on a network like NBC, whether that's USA Network, whether that's NBC TV, whatever it might be. You have a platform that can distribute your content. Every major cable company, every major dish or, or direct TV platform has that. Like, that's a big step up for the Big yes. 12. That'd be a huge step up for the Pac-12. Like, there, those are the things that these conferences need to be talking about. But the one thing that stands out to me about the Big 12 is they cannot afford to just linger. We've heard all about how Brett Yorkman's the new sheriff in town at the Big 12 and Business is going to not be what it's always been. We're getting aggressive. Well, I'm for real. You've been out on the job a week, and we heard like 15 minutes after the, you know, your first day that you were going to like make some major move. Well, you've been on the job a week, Brett, and nothing's happened. Come on, so let's go, Schlepprock. Let's get to business. Like the, the Big 12 has to make a move. And maybe Chris Hill is right. Maybe Pac 12 teams don't have the appetite or the desire to join the Big 12. I don't know. But at some point, somebody's got to do something because both these conferences are dying. Yeah, and I just don't know what that that tipping point is, or or, or where we get sort of the, you know, the crack and the stalemate, if you will, because that's kind of what I feel like this is right now. I feel like we're, I feel like at at Pac-12 Media Days, George Klyovkov was just trying to flex on the Big 12 and and like paint the Pac-12 in this like super like positive sunshine and roses type state. Yeah. And I, I think that that really came off is, is him doing that instead of being honest about where the conference was at. And I think that, you know, the PAC 12 is, I, I, I love, listen, I love, you know, Utah, Oregon, it, you know, in Austin, like on a Friday night, like I love that or Saturday night. I love that. That, that is the football game itself. Isn't really the issue. The issue is that it that I got to go to some foreign TV channel on some random network to find it. That's the problem and I don't think people understand just how much it matters to the end consumer that it's easy to find your product. I got news for you. No one's going to channel 4 
410 on Dish Network to find your product. It's not <laughs> happening, dude. Like, you need to be on your cell phone, on people's cell phones. That's yeah. part of the reason YouTube is such a prolific platform because anybody can access it and it's easy to use. That's why podcasts have taken off. And that's why I say, if you're any one of these conferences, the bare minimum, the the just the entry point is getting on people's phones. Then I would be looking at TV. That's how I'd go about it if I was the Pac-12 trying to survive because I want to capture that younger generation. Well, but I would be going after somebody that's got it all. And again, I know people love and hate ESPN. I'm an ESPN Plus subscriber, and it's worth every single penny of it. I mean, yeah. just for just for the inside stuff that you get from them, the exclusive content you get from them, um, everything that's streaming on ESPN Plus. If you certainly, if you're a BYU fan, you must subscribe to ESPN Plus. Like it to me, that's what makes the most sense. If I am the Pac-12, I want ESPN, and I think ESPN. Uh, again, I think John Wilner's point about how the Pac-12 after dark could be the saving grace, um, or excuse me, maybe that was Stuart Mandel that said that, that the Pac-12 after dark could be the saving grace because it's a million people a, a, a game. Hey, whatever it takes. And I if, agree with that concept. If, yeah, if you, can, if you can make a deal that includes ESPN Plus streaming of every game, because yes. um, that's what you need. You need a single place, a single home for your games. That's what you need. And if I am if I am the Pac-12, I am really doing everything I can do to make a deal with ESPN because that's exactly what you get there. All right, let's get your comments in here. Uh, good morning, Dennis Levi says uh, with the uh, uh, by the way a four ninety nine tip. Thank you, uh, Dennis. With the number four ranking, what do you think Cam Rising's potential is, and do you think Utah could possibly be a contender for the playoff? Yeah, yesterday CBS Sports ranked Utah number four in the country only behind Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Yeah. And I think that's very that's very justified. I think it's justified. I think their defense is going to be stout. I think they are very deep at the linebacker. I mean, you don't lose a Devin Lloyd and not feel that. Yeah. Uh, very obviously. But, I mean, they have depth and they have talent at linebacker at Utah. And I think Cam Rising, this is his club. It's been his club for almost a calendar year now. These guys are behind him. Yep. He showed that he has got a ton of talent. And I don't think we've seen the best of Cam Rising. Is he a guy that's going to compete for a Heisman? Probably not. Is he the best quarterback in the, the Pac-12? Probably not. But there's no reason that Cam Rising can't continue to be really efficient and protect the football as he did last year and take that to another level. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how um, they, they run this offense. And yeah. again, as we talked about yesterday on the show, what I'm really interested in is seeing, you know, who's the wide receiver that really steps up and becomes their deep threat. And what does Brant Keithy do as a, as a tight end slash wide receiver? How often is Brant Keithy lined up tight and how often are they going two tight ends with Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy? Yeah. Those are the questions that we're going to have to get, but Cam Rising's the least of your problems. Well, there is, to me, there's no doubt about that. And I think to that point, I, I think one of the reasons they got that number four in the country ranking is because it's not just that you have a quarterback for Utah, because Utah obviously has been a defensive-minded school for, you know, since as long as Witt's been there, essentially. So it's not just that you have a quarterback. It's that you have a quarterback that now is coming into his second season and has that 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 experience now. He knows what's coming. He knows what to expect. He has more control. And I think that's the thing when you look at college football rankings and, and really even in the NFL. You know, if you have a quarterback that is calm, cool, collected, in control, can lead your team, 
that's going to take you to that next level that you need to get to to win the game of leverage. And I think too many years Utah hasn't had that. So now that they do have it, I think that's also what's helping them get that ranking. Oh, I, I would totally agree with that. Thank you, uh, Dennis, for the four ninety nine tip. Jesse Harsh, good morning to you with the $2 tip. Uh, the super sticker, appreciate you on that. Um, he says, in a hypothetical world, and I mean hypothetical world, say Utah joins either the SEC or the Big Ten, which region would they struggle the most with when it comes to recruiting, SEC or Big Ten country? Well, I can tell you right now, they're not going to struggle to recruit. Um, Utah's football staff is already recruiting. We've seen them in Texas. We've seen them prolifically recruit talent yeah. out of Florida. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at the Big Ten, that'd probably be the, the landscape where it would be more difficult to recruit places like Pennsylvania and Ohio. Um, you know, one of the reasons that Notre Dame is such a, a big time program is because offensive linemen routinely come out of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Ohio and wind up in South Bend, Indiana playing for Thanks. the Irish, right? You look at, um, going into places like Wisconsin and Chicago, uh, where you get lots of talent. I think you would struggle if you are Utah to, to compete with Notre Dame, Ohio state, Michigan, but again, um, what would help you? What would help you? Well, if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten, um, you're able to to play in those games. But I think the bigger issue for the Big Ten, and this is going to be USC's challenge, and obviously USC is is uniquely qualified because, well, they're USC. But mom who lives in Madison, Wisconsin, mom who lives in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, Poughkeepsie, mom who lives in Poughkeepsie, New York, or Zion, Illinois, or Alton, Illinois. Are you going to convince mom that that little Jimmy should go to Salt Lake City to play football when he could also go to Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, when he could go to the University of Illinois, which mom can get in a car and drive to? Because I got news for you. That's a car ride. Utah's a flight. Now, Utah's also going to visit all those if you're in hypothetically again with Jesse but hypothetically, Utah's also going to play on the road in those stadiums. But overwhelmingly, half your games are at home in Salt Lake City. That's you know that's an hour uh, later for mom. Is mom staying up to watch those games? Like those are all things you have to consider. You know, there's a lot of high school kids who find tremendous value, especially when we're talking about four star recruits. Because how many five star recruits are going to go to to Utah? We haven't yeah. seen many. But that's why Utah has this unbelievable development program. But the only thing that is going to keep Utah from competing with SEC and Big Ten schools is reputation, perception, this thing we always talk about, perception versus reality. Because facility-wise, education-wise, quality of life-wise, Utah can compete with anybody. Their facilities are spectacular and they are only improving. Yeah, um, Their educational, I mean, you can't get a better education than you can get at Utah. You, you just can't. Quality of life in Salt Lake City is spectacular. I mean, it's everything that you want your your child to experience in college. The question is, well, those damn Mormons are going to get you. <laughs> it's perception versus reality. Yeah. I can tell you, as somebody who moved to Utah from the outside, I am not uh, I am not from Utah. When I moved to Utah all those years ago, oh, watch out. No Mormons are going to get you. <laughs> like, it's that naivete about what life in the state of Utah is like. But... Having said that, Utah's not going to the Big Ten or the SEC. That's not happening. Spencer D. says, Saw, dudes! 
Bro. 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 Dude. What's <laughs> up, dude? What's up, dude? He says, when is Mrs. Jake joining the show? Dude! Do you have a Mrs. Jake? No. No, he's not married. Spencer, stop stop causing problems, bro. Yeah, uh, bro. West, West Virginia guy says the Pac-12 is dead. Prismac from Poland. Poland! My, my kielbasa-sharing brethren. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Anything new about the Jazz? I'm sick of waiting for something to happen. No. Join the club. No. Uh, coming up at 7.30, we'll talk uh, NBA hoops on the show. Stick around for that. About 40 minutes away. Neville 93 says, good morning, Lance. Teddy Wayman says, sup, y'all. Good morning, Teddy. Good to see you. Ramsey's 10. Greg Hawkins. Hey, Greg Hawkins. Uh, dude, Greg, what happened yesterday, bro? You went full nuke Greg mode Hawkins on Twitter. Greg Hawkins went dude. in. Like, full burn it to the ground mode on Twitter. By the way, seven days from right now, Greg Hawkins will be back in the United States. Wow. Every, every blue cheese producing company in the country is going to celebrate the day that that blue cheese eating MFR lands in the United States. Now, <laughs> Having said that, there is going to be an army of BYU fans lined up with 50 caliber sniper. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, who will stick cougars on Greg Hawkins after his major, major, uh, what would you call it? Campaign of destruction? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Greg Hawkins went in. Yeah. If you don't follow Greg Hawkins on Twitter, you're missing out. Yeah. You're missing out. Uh, Caleb Harrison, or excuse me, Caleb Hamblin. Says, first time waking up early enough to join the stream. Love the show. Thanks, Caleb. Good to see <laughs> you. Saw, dude. Antonio Ruiz, what's up, my man? Uh, S. Michael Diehard says, Slack 12 is on death's door. Probably. That's probably both the conferences. Yeah. Uh, Dead Collector says, have we heard any other numbers other than 24.5 million? We have not. Bob Thompson, the former president of Fox Sports, uh, who's negotiated deals just like this, will join us coming up at 830 uh, we will ask Bob about numbers and because $24.5 million ain't getting it done. I mean, that's uh, it's not getting it you done. Know, respectfully, I'm not trying to be egregious here, but that's kind of an embarrassing number. I mean, it, it, you, it's you, not you getting at, it done. Yeah, you look at the other conferences being at $70 million and you're 24 and a half. Come on. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mardino87 says Little League is starting full pads, high school is starting two a days, and college camp is starting. Excited for football season. Bro, yeah. you know what's on TV tonight, right? Yeah, the Hall of Fame game. Let's go. The National Let's go. Football League. Now, let me tell you what Let me now. tell you what now. Yeah, man. Come on, man. Let me tell you what now. Let's go. Dead Collector says uh, Chris has to say that. Chris Hill uh, saying that, uh, oh, Utah doesn't want to go to the Big 12. They don't have any alumni in Waco. What the fuck are you, Ranger Rick? David Korash. Jesus. Like, are, you really think that? Waco I just felt like that was such a like arrogant thing to say it like, is and you but know, this like, is the this is the perception versus reality conversation again the arrogance of the pac-12 is a real thing and it's a it is a real problem guys like chris hill believe that you know they poop roses and you know like butterflies like and I, let I me just tell you you don't dude, i just can't you believe that that with where we are now, like five years ago, okay, I can understand if, you know, the Chris Hills of the world or, you know, whoever, the Larry Scotts of the world felt like, yeah, the, the Pac-12 is is amazing and we're doing an awesome job and, yeah, we don't have a distribution deal really, but we're working on it. Okay, back then I could kind of get it. Right now, it's a ridiculous take to say that, that 
the 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 Pac-12 doesn't need help or we're in a great spot. We're the conference of champions, even though those championships are in badminton and not anything to do with making money or your survival as a conference, right? Like, I just feel like they 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 live in like this fantasy world of like where the conference is actually at. And the shame in it is that I love the Pac-12. I love Pac-12 after dark. I love the caliber of football you get. Is it Alabama, LSU at the Swamp? No. Is it is it is it some premier matchup uh, in the Big Ten? Well, no, I guess not. But I, I I really feel like you know when you get like Utah and Oregon, that's uh, like amazing. When 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 Oregon went on the road and beat Ohio State, I was pumped about that, dude. Well, Absolutely go, go back go back to USC. When USC was Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush, they yeah. went to, they went to Auburn and they beat Auburn. They beat well o- they beat Ohio State yes. at the Coliseum. Like you're not that conference anymore, though. You're not that guy, pal. Like you're you're not. And the hard thing I think for people to digest is that you're not that guy anymore. It sucks. You know, like it does because f- the football's not as good. That I mean, that's just the that's just the harsh reality. And, and of I it. think it it should be though. That's the thing. It's one of those things where you're totally right. It's not good anymore. But the crying shame in this whole thing is it should be. The Pac-12 legitimately, because of its geography and, and the, the cities you have, dude, the Pac-12 had an opportunity to be yes. better than the SEC, yes. to be better than the Big Ten. Yes, they did. And yet we're sitting here talking about them dying, and I just can't get down with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I get totally down agree. It. This hour of the show brought to you by Barbecue Pit Stop. Stop by any of their five locations in the great state of Utah, including Lehigh. Layton, Logan, Murray, and St. George. Yes, sir. There's a box on the counter. It's got our faces on it. We may it's, or may not we're famous. have something coming out on YouTube this week about it. Hey, I said we're famous. We are fam- Dude, it's the Monty Show. Everyone we're, knows. We're a big flipping deal Come on in this town. We were all over Twitter yesterday. Everyone knows. You know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but there's a box on the counter at every barbecue pit stop in Utah. It's got our mugs on it. It's also got BYU and Notre Dame logos on it. And that's because we're giving away a trip for two to see BYU and Notre Dame at the Shamrock Series in Las Vegas. All you have to do is go to any of the five Utah locations for barbecue pit stop. You see them on the screen. Logan, Lee, Lehigh, Layton, uh, Salt Lake City, and St. George. Drop your name in there and then join us in Lehigh on uh, September 17th for a big watch party. We'll have wings and pizza. It's going to be an amazing time. You're going to see smokers galore. And we're going to watch BYU and Oregon. And at the halftime of that game, we are going to pull the winner out for a trip or two to see uh, BYU and Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, where you'll get two nights at the Palms Hotel Resort Casino, uh, as well as two tickets to the game and a $250 gas card to get you there. And it's all compliments of our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop. If you're just tuning in this morning, the biggest stories in sports. Today is the end of the exclusive negotiating window for the Pac-12 with Fox and ESPN. What does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean a whole lot. And the bigger question now is, where will the Utah Utes end up? Yesterday was an interesting day because uh, John Wilner, the fine um, writer for the Bay Area News Group, you can catch his work, um, you know, really in a a multitude of places. Uh, But if you check him out, Bay Area News Group, um, he is a guy that has the the pulse on, you know, his fingers on the pulse of the Pac-12. Um, and he talked to former Utah Athletic Director Chris Hill um, in his column yesterday, and, and Chris Hill talked about how 
there is, he sees no benefit for a Pac-12 team to go to the Big 12. And that's because the Pac-12 doesn't have alumni in Waco. They're all in the Bay Area. Congratulations, but that's bullshit. And one of the things that we've been talking about this morning is what's the right thing for Utah and other Pac-12 programs to do? And I would tell you it is to find a way to create a merger between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and then you know, make a larger pot of cash for everybody to split. Because if you don't, and you wind up staying, you know, as a as a uh, a weakened conference, after USC and UCLA bailed to the Big Ten, there's just not a lot of love there for you. There's twenty four to thirty million dollars per school per year in a TV deal. That's a huge problem. Doesn't work, man. That's a huge problem. And the other thing that gives you a good indication of that is that the Pac-12 is trying to save its relationship with UCLA. Um, I don't think there's any question that George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the big, uh, or excuse me, of the Pac-12 last week, made it very clear that they would welcome UCLA back to the conference. And there is an all-out effort right now amongst Pac-12 uh, presidents to try and convince UCLA to stay in the conference and not go to the Big Ten. And if they do that, obviously that gives the Pac-12 the Los Angeles market, which means, hey, now all we got to do is add a school like us, San Diego State, let's say, and we're in business. Now we've got all of Southern California. Is that likely to happen? Well, this is the teetering tipping point that the Pac-12 finds itself in because what happens if the Big Ten goes and makes a huge TV deal and their schools legit are getting $100 million per school per season in TV rights deal? Now UCLA and USC have no problem signing their rights over to the Big Ten. Are people myring? That's the issue for the Pac-12. And let's just get something straight right now. The Pac-12 is not now and likely will never be in a position to garner $100 million per year per school in TV money. Facts. If the Big Ten gets that deal and the Pac-12 hasn't made a significant move to, to shore up its ranks, the Pac-12 is dead. And I still maintain, and we'll ask Bob Thompson, the president or the former president of Fox Sports Networks, this question. Is there any scenario where the Pac-12 not only survives, but thrives? Because, Jake, I can be honest with you, I don't see that scenario happening. Yeah, and I just don't know where the sense of urgency is from the conference. I, I, again, I, and, and I don't mean to be repetitive, but when we were on remote you know, last Friday, I, I, I had said, you know, hey, like, you got to come with a plan. You got to you got to come with like some 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 semblance of an idea of like what your mission is or your goal is to to get back into a good place. And that's the thing that that baffles me. There's just no sense of urgency or like, hey, yeah, this is a real problem for us. Like, yeah, what if the Big Ten is getting you know a hundred million a year in TV money per school? What what happens if 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 we can't get UCLA? to stay in the 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 pack. Like what happens if none of this works out for us? What does that look like? Yeah. I got new cuz I got news for you. The the non revenue generating sports are not going to cover your ass when you're when you're not making money. That like I just couldn't believe that that was the sentiment. So, yeah, I I if I was if I was George and I was the people who are running the conference, I would have a major sense of urgency to, you know, as you said, get something done with ESPN or, or maybe it's NBC, but but you got to have something done here. If I'm the Pac-12, I am doing everything I can do to get into bed with ESPN. I mean, even if it's 40 or 50 a year, you, you're never going to get to like 80, 100. That's the, just not where the, you are. The but. thing that you cannot do is if you are the Pac-12, Pac-10, 
You cannot continue to be like, okay, some of our games are on Fox. Other of our games are on Jimmy's satellite dish uh, down over there in Pacoima. Hey, guys. And then maybe some of our games might be on ESPN, if we're lucky, on a Friday night. You can't continue to live that no. way. No. You just can't. Oh, by the way, none of our games will be on DirecTV because screw them. We're the Pac-12. Like you see you what I mean? Though, like that sentiment that. is crazy. Like, who do you think you are? It's like, no. it's like, it's like these, these, it's like these, you know, guys who who do these fake fights or whatever, and then they think that they can go and box some actual fighter and think that that's going to well, work out. And like, Dax Johnson makes a great point. Johnson. Good morning, Ted. Dax Johnson uh, says, "Morning, guys. I don't understand the better than them mentality that comes from the Pac-10. Yeah, Both the Big Twelve and the Pac-10 need." Uh, each other to survive they're idiots i totally agree like i don't understand that mentality the falling off point from like if you look at where the sec and the big 10 are and then you look at this gap between those two and then the pack 10 i guess we're calling it now it is massive bro and then you put the big 12 that's a little bit ahead of the pack 10 but really not that far ahead like it is huge bro like the gap between those two in, in the pack and the Big 12. And then you just have the ACC kind of just chilling over here. And they're just kind of chilling. You know, Clemson's going to win that conference every year. They're going to do some nice things in basketball. But I feel like the ACC just kind of flies under the radar. And so my point is, is that if you're the pack 12, the road here to success is not that difficult. Get, get a distribution deal done and then get UCLA back. It's that simple. I, I think that's your road to survival. I mean, it, but, but again... And maybe I'm wrong, and I'd love to hear from you guys in the comments. I mean, is there is there any way that they thrive, the Pac-10? Because if you, if you keep UCLA, you're surviving. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you're thriving. You're you're only sitting there. And, and I understand that teams and conferences and how long are these grant of rights going to be? Because are, are you telling me if you're the Utah Utes, you feel good signing a 10-year grant of rights with the the Pac-10? No. That that seems good Hell to you. No. I would not do that. Hell no, <clears throat> I would not do that. It just that doesn't seem like the right thing to do, um, in my opinion. I, Hell I, no. Yeah, but again, I get it, man. I'm not the one that's got to negotiate these this, deals. I feel like this is like the ultimate like perception versus reality sports story. You know how in sports, like there are times when oh, it's like look at Deshaun Watson, which we'll get to a little bit later. But like just the concept that Deshaun Watson's people think that six games was a light suspension. Is crazy. Just the concept that the Pac-12 thinks that they're sliced bread is crazy. Yeah. How do you view yourself like that in the landscape of everything that's happening? Yeah, I don't know. You two K says um, Oregon State and Washington State are the only ones that don't have anything to be arrogant about. Well, you know, honestly, I could tell you the entire conference has nothing to be arrogant about. Yeah. I mean, what has Washington really accomplished? What has Oregon really accomplished? Because if you look across the, the college football landscape, there's not a team in the Pac-12 right now that's a powerhouse. There just isn't. Even USC is not. You know, Utah just won the conference and went to the Rose Bowl last year. They're not a powerhouse because perception is reality in this business. Yeah. And when I look at the powerhouses, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, like those are the – is Michigan a powerhouse? No. They're not, right? If if you are, is Texas viewed as a powerhouse? No, probably not. Oklahoma, I would say Oklahoma is viewed as a powerhouse, right? But now they're an SEC team. 
You can't tell me that the Big 12 has any chance of keeping Texas or Oklahoma. That ship has sailed. And I really don't believe that that the Pac-12 has any chance to keep USC or UCLA. Yeah. I don't see that happening, right? So when I look at the real powerhouses in college football, and I, I say this every year, I'm a Notre Dame fan, born and raised in Chicago. Is there anybody in this room who thinks Notre Dame's a college football powerhouse? Obviously not. When's the last time they won a national championship? I think it was it was while Manti Teo's girlfriend was alive. I can tell you that is a bitter. Doesn't make you feel responsible. It's probably not something. Anyway, yeah. the point is, catfishing aside, I just don't believe that there's more than a half dozen teams every year who can win the, the national championship. And I don't believe that Clemson's one of those teams. I don't believe that Florida State, Florida, Miami, I don't believe they're one of those teams. But why is it that the SEC has teams? that compete every single year. You think it's some accident that 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 Alabama competes every year? Do you, do you think it's some accident that that Nick Saban went to Alabama of all schools and was able to build it into what he was able to build it? Or like, you know, you look at Georgia or any yeah. of these other SEC schools, it's not some accident. They are they have distribution deal. They have many things that work together with that distribution deal to allow them to go and get the best, absolute best talent, which allows them to dominate college football every year. Because I got news for you. When you win, what are you? More desirable. What does that mean? More TV money, more leverage from your side of the phone call. So that's why I say winning football games at the core of it is what matters. But nobody cares if you won or lost if they can't watch the football game. Nobody cares if you won or lost if it's not on Sports Center, right? Nobody cares. It it just does not matter. So that's yeah. why I say it's just such a a, a murky, convoluted, ass backwards thought process that they have right now. And you know the funny thing is, look at the SEC's TV deal. Do you think the SEC would have rather waited another year? Don't forget they're going to ESPN and ABC. They're leaving CBS and they're getting three hundred million dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, don't you think they would have liked to have waited a little longer? To, to make more money on that deal now? I think they probably would have, especially adding Oklahoma and, and, and Texas. I mean, Texas. You, you look at what, you look at what. Now, they again, 300 million instead of 55 million is massive, right? But you look at what the SEC offers. They offer the biggest games every single week. Yes. I, I mean, you have any time that Alabama plays anybody, it's a huge game. But Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, like I mean, you have Alabama, Florida last year. You have major games. Yeah, you have major rivalries. You have the national championship. Let's be honest: the national championship is on the line every week in the SEC. It's never on the line in the Pac-12. That's just the the reality. Or the of Big it. Twelve. Well, with Oklahoma in the conference, it has been. It has been on the line, right? I mean, it, it and Baylor. I I mean the the big step that Baylor took last year, like. I could make the argument that the only team that is in position on a regular basis is Oregon. Because I don't know that Utah's ever been in position on a regular basis to compete for the playoffs. I, I don't know that that's been the case for, right. for Utah. In fact, I'm pretty certain that it is not. Uh, what's up, my guy? Uh, Desert Viking Russell. Good to see you, Russ Anderson. He says, Monty, what's up? You were right about Bryce Harper, and I love the show. Your pal, strongman, Russ Anderson. Russ, good to see you. I'm always right about everything because I know no wrong. Uh, that's a lie. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> Dead Collector says, LOL, they didn't beat Texas, though. 
Okay, Mike Maples, good morning too. He says, Chris Hill's thoughts are like asking Isaiah Thomas what move the Knicks should make. <laughs> He'd be willing to give up, uh, give the Jazz eight picks in a player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely Fast. he would. Uh, let's see, Zayman says, uh, he at Steve, the Holy War every year on Thanksgiving Day and Chris Hill turned it down saying our players want to be home for Thanksgiving. Chris was the only one who wanted to be home on Thanksgiving. Chris Hill is one of the main reasons that Utah has struggled to grow and expand. He was, he as an athletic director, he routinely stood in the way of progress at Utah, period. I, I just don't see, I just don't see how that, how there's any other way to spin that. Uh, Zayman says, yeah, Chris Hill has a chance to sign a deal back in the 90s for the Holy War to be played on Thanksgiving Day and national TV and turned it down. Yes, he did. Uh, Victor uh, Gawana says, a good point I heard last night was the expanded playoff is looming in 26. Uh, are these schools uh, wanting to sign a grant of rights past 26, not knowing if they will be included? It's a big question. Yeah. It's a bit, you got to expand the college football playoff. You have to. Uh, Going to be talking NBA in 15 minutes, but right now we're talking about uh, college football expansion. Don't forget again, today the Pac-12's exclusive negotiating window with uh, ESPN and Fox Sports expires. It doesn't mean a whole lot other than now we're on to what's next. Um, so we'll see exactly what that's lo- what that looks like. Um, you know, I, I just think that the Pac-12 has to do something. Because I, I, I honestly think there's more stability in the Big 12 right now than there is in the Pac-12. Yeah, well, when you're adding Houston, yeah. Cincinnati, BYU, and Central Florida, like you're in a you're in a much you're in a much better spot. Yeah, I mean the conversation with the Pac-12 is are you going to be in existence? And at least with the Big 12, you're like, all right, yeah, we're going to be playing football. Yep. Two Russ, different things. Russ Anderson says, how many Utah fans can name five players on this season's roster? Try it. It's hilarious. So I I think I I, I don't think that. I don't think that that's a fair indication of of, of fandom. In college, and I college think most, sports changes, I think man. most Utah fans can. I mean, I also don't think that we need to do a BYU versus Utah fan thing. Yeah. I, I just don't. You know, like, I, I think I think that's the, the easy road, right? Uh, Justin Hayward says, Utah and the AC schools should be in the Big 12. They should. I, I, I think Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, should join, and I think that SMU and San Diego State should join. That's what the Big 12 should do, in my opinion. And if you are Cal and Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, I think you're in a bad situation. Those schools have very little leverage. Yeah. The the Stanford AD the other day said that nobody is calling asking them to join conferences. The Big 12 is not called Stanford. And I think there's a good reason for that. I, I do believe that Stanford and Cal are those hippies in the Bay Area. And I don't think, I think the big 12 is that conference. It's like, yeah, we don't want all those homeless people. Like that's who the big 12 is. Yeah. I don't think they want that. I think they want Arizona, Arizona state, San Diego state, and SMU. You and your mom and are hillbillies. I think they must have Utah and Colorado as well. Yeah. I think that's the reality of where the big 12 is. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, Justin Hayward also says uh, better football and fans there. Uh, in the Big 12, yeah. I I mean, a, as far as fits go, and as far as health of conferences, it's just my opinion. It is just my opinion that the Big 12 is a better athletic conference on the whole. Certainly, if you're Arizona, I think you would rather be in the, in the Big 12 because you're a basketball school at Arizona, Yeah. right? Until you start winning games consistently, and I don't mean one year, when you start winning football games consistently, we can talk. Your, your football stadium is empty. Nobody cares about Arizona football. Nobody. 
You look at Arizona basketball, that is a real valuable brand. It is as valuable, in my opinion, as UCLA is. I think Arizona, if Arizona and UCLA leave, the Pac-12 is done in basketball. There is nothing to talk about. If both of those schools leave, and if Utah leaves, you're done. Yeah. Like that conference. It's so over. if I'm the Big 12, I am after the Arizona schools, and I am after Utah. Those are my three must-haves, right? I'm taking Colorado, I'm taking San Diego State, and I'm taking SMU. Not, that's it. That's a death knell. Yes. You're done at that point. Absolutely, you're done at that point. Uh, K. Drew says, all non-blue blood football schools that are doing well now need to realize that those schools are one bad coaching hire to mediocrity, i.e. 2008 Kansas Jayhawks. Well, I also think you have to understand that that you're going to have one-sided schools. I mean, nobody wants Notre Dame for basketball. Yeah. They want Notre Dame football. Nobody wants Duke football. Nobody wants Arizona football. Frankly, I don't know that anybody wants UCLA football. No. And nobody certainly wants Kansas football. But look at the look at the Big 10 versus the Big 12. Yeah. Let's talk about the state of Iowa. With all due respect to my good friends and Ames in Iowa City. Are you really excited about Iowa as a brand? Are you excited about Iowa State as a brand? You're not. You're not. And while Iowa City has slightly more, I want to say, population than than Ames, Iowa does, is there really more value in the Iowa brand than the Iowa State brand? Is there really more value in that? I mean, obviously, the Hawkeye name is bigger. Sure, certainly the Hawkeye name is bigger. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Are you bringing more... Are you bringing more viewers to the TV set? I don't think so. No, like I guess so. Not. You look at all of these conferences. Everybody's got weaknesses in their conference. Yeah. The SEC, nobody wants Vanderbilt as a as a TV market. As a okay, but baseball as an, educa- as an educational institution, great. But they bring you baseball. That's neat. They have a tradition in women's basketball. That's neat. Football pays the bills. Yeah. So every conference has a weakness, man. Every single one. That's what I'm saying. If you're the Pac-12 and you know your weaknesses, how do you not? How do you not? How are you not like helping yourself? I'm like, surprised, are- frankly. You know what I'm surprised about? That the ACC has not been more vocal and aggressive. Because again, and if you're just tuning in, we talked about Syracuse. Syracuse is in an interesting situation mm-hmm. because Syracuse brings you New York as a TV market. The Orange men bring you New York. Great, great, great basketball program in history and tradition. Yeah. And they bring you a lot of TV viewers, right? Why has the ACC not been more more aggressive in expanding? Why are you not adding? If I'm the ACC, frankly, is there no value in adding the Big 12? Merging with the Big 12? Why are we talking about partnerships? Partnerships are not what we're after. We are after mergers. If you're the ACC... Are you just going to sit here and wait for somebody to suck you up? Or are you going to are you going to go and get, get aggressive and create a future for yourself? Because that's what you're doing here. So I, I look at a team like Syracuse. I think the ACC, nobody talks about why Syracuse is important in a TV deal. Well, you should start talking about that, in my opinion. Are we clear on that? I mean, I, I look at the ACC and you are you are in the worst place possible. You're just you're just there. You're just there. Yeah. You're not, not important at the moment. You're not unimportant. You you're, exist. You're just there, you know, and you already crowned Clemson as your champion. You're just yeah. there. 
man, you're just chilling. But even Clemson, like even 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 since you know the Jesus Christ lookalike and Trevor Lawrence left, what has Clemson been? You know, well, like, they've been a conference with with uh, a history of basketball because that's what the ACC is. Yeah, with with a couple of exceptions. Look at the ACC. What are, would you rather have them as a basketball conference or a football conference? Basketball, basketball by all far. day, by far. Yeah. So my point in all of this is, and the reason I bring all this up is. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. One of the reasons Bob Thompson, the uh, former president at Fox Sports Network, is going to join us at 8.30 Mountain Time, one of the reasons we want to have him on is he's been in the, the room for this. He's been in these conversations. He has a history. He can. One of the things I want to ask Bob Thompson is, what's the value of Utah's brand? What does BYU bring to the Big 12? Yeah. Ultimately, Bob, what does it mean that today the the exclusive rights expire with Fox and ESPN for the Pac-12? Yeah. Ultimately, is the Pac-12 going to survive or are they ever going to be in a position to thrive? You know, like who's in a better position? Like there's all these conversations that can be had. And I think here locally in the state of Utah, and certainly for all of our Phoenix viewers, I know we have a lot of viewers in Phoenix. We have a lot of viewers in Boise as well. Where is Boise State? Bless the state. Bless it. Where's Boise State? Because you can't say it normally. You can't no, you say can't. It. It's just Boise not the right thing state. to do. But where is, where is Boise State? Yeah. Like, look at the comment on the screen from KDU. Boise State's not a blue blood. Boise State's not a huge program. That's out of the window. Boise State's waiting for a phone call. And I would imagine they've called the Big 12. I would imagine. But is Boise, even though it's exploding as a population, is Boise... Somewhere where you're like, I got to have that TV. It's probably not. Well, but Monty, you said SMU. Those are a bunch of lawyer and pricks. Well, are you out of your goddamn mind? That also gives you the entire Metroplex because then you would have TCU in Fort Worth and you'd have SMU in, in, in Dallas. Yeah. And oh, by the way, if you add SMU to the Big 12, what do you have? You have TCU. Uh, you have Texas Tech. Uh, you have SMU. And you have Houston. That's every corner and every major populace in the state of Texas. I'm for real. Why wouldn't you do that? I don't know if you guys know this or not, but football, they play a little football in Did Texas. Did you know football is kind of a big deal in Texas? Did you guys know that? That's what I'm saying. Like, all of this matters, man. Like, all of this matters. The college football landscape is going to be very different a year from now. So you have all this happening, all these yes. things that we've just discussed, yet you still have the Pac-12 perceiving the landscape the way they do. Hey, we're the best. We're the greatest. We have a conference of champions. Everything's amazing. Don't know how it's possible. Yep. Eric and Raleigh, good morning to you, friend. He says, new conference, Alabama. Roll time. Coach Saban. This is Coach Saban. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Auburn, USC, Oregon, Notre Dame, Texas A&M. Just take the 10 best teams in the country and go full pro. Make them all employees, right? That, I guess that's what you do. Eric also says, uh, and the Big 12 doesn't even know who the pack number is. That's exactly right. Yeah. They don't They don't know. Uh, talking NBA free agency, and uh, if the Jazz are better off holding on to Donovan Mitchell until next summer, we're doing that in six minutes. Stick around for that. Uh, Big Mugamba. Mugamba. He says, Blasa is busy getting ready for deer season. <coughs> See, that feels like you're stereotyping. Why, 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 are you, why are you doing that, man? Why, why are you taking shots, bro? Mugamba, that feels like 
you're not a fan of blue astroturf. And that's kind of, you know, the people in Blasi don't really probably appreciate that. So you better check yourself. <laughs> right? You better check yourself, man. Austin Tolman says it makes more sense for the Pac-12 to wait on a TV deal. They have less schools to share the revenue. They could get a go 10 and still do a conference championship game. They could. But, but why would your 10 remaining teams want to do that? And, and the thing is, is the problem with that, and, and I totally get where you're coming from, and I don't necessarily disagree. The problem is, is because you've done such a piss poor job with distribution deals over the last decade, you don't have time to wait. Because if you wait, right, if you wait too long, now you miss the boat. Now you miss the boat on the money. Now the Big Ten has beat you. The SEC has a deal. The ACC has a deal. Hell, the Big 12 even has a deal, right? And then you're kind of this last sort of, you know, odd stepchild, if you will, trying to get a deal. That's the problem. You So you can't, you don't have time to just sit on your hands and be like, well, let's wait for the Big Ten to finish their business. You like, know, we got the big Mugamba going after deer season and you going after stepchildren. Um, Man, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, Kay Nurin, good morning to you. Says, yes, San Diego, Hawaii, and SMU in the Big 12. I'm not a, I'm, I'm personally not a Hawaii guy in football. I'm going to Hawaii in a month from now. Big Hawaii um, guy, just not in football. Big Hawaii guy to go see it. Yeah. Um... I just think that travel makes them very unattractive. Yeah. That travel is the biggest issue. I mean, that's a huge problem. Yeah, it's an issue, dude. Problem. Yeah. Huge problem. Um, wow, there's a, a lot of people are in on deer season. <laughs> this is no good TV deal for the pack number without USC and UCLA. That's why you got to have San Diego State. You, you got to have it. Yeah. I mean, there is there's just no doubt about that. Uh, Jeff James, good morning too. He says, I'm not sure that George uh, Klyovkov was a good hire for the Pac-12. Well, he certainly came out swinging at the Big 12, didn't he? But I you mean, have to understand, like part of, so like obviously, yes, I'm I'm baffled by some of the stuff he said at Pac-12 Media Day, but part of it is he is doing his job. So there's like two sides of it. Yes. And, and if I was if I was a Pac-12 hiring, you know, someone like George, my, my, my homework or mission for him or whatever his task wouldn't be to just try to be a PR guy and paint the conference in a great picture. Like sometimes I feel like there is value in saying, yeah, we don't have a great distribution deal. We just lost one of the biggest brands in the conference and we have work to do and we're acting with a sense of urgency and we want to get something done. Like if he would have said that, would that not have just lit the football world on fire? They Like the football world would have been like, oh, wow. Like there's been a change in the Pac-12. Now let's see what they do. Let's see how they operate. But we yeah. didn't get that, and that was disappointing. Yep. Bob Thompson, former president of Fox Sports Network, joins the show coming up one hour from now. Stick around for that. Want to remind you that this here fine program is brought to you by our good friend Devry Davis at Academy Mortgage, NMLS number 278545. Call him today, 801-543-9666. Devry Davis is a guy that you can trust. He's written three mortgages for me. Um, he is the only guy that I will talk to about mortgage for one very specific reason. He's very good at what he does. I mean, Devery Davis is an excellent mortgage guy because he communicates. You never have to wonder what's going on with your mortgage. Hey, am I in underwriting? Am I out of underwriting? Are we cleared to close? Hey, by the way, before you get to all that, you have to afford a down payment. And I know one of the biggest questions in the mortgage industry right now is, can you afford a down payment? 
Yes, you can. When you call a guy like Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666. And listen, I know that money is tight. I know there's a lot of uncertainty in the economy right now. But the one thing that you can you know, count on is real estate. And what we what are we seeing now? Mortgage rates are going down. And when you look at availability of real estate, real estate availability is going up, mainly because the price of real estate is again going down. It is more affordable now than it has been at any point this calendar year. Your interest rates are as low as they have been at any point recently, so get after it. If you are struggling and wondering, hey, can I afford that house? Call Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666, and he will get you into that house that you've been wanting. Houses are sitting on the market. The way that you win uh, a negotiation when you're trying to buy a house is you're a cash buyer. You're like, Monty, I'm not a cash buyer. I'm struggling to afford a down payment. Well, guess what? Devery Davis can make you a cash buyer. He's going to give you a letter that says, yep, Jimmy, Bob, and Susan are qualified for this mortgage. Sell them your house. You walk in, you and your agent, your real estate agent will walk into that house and you'll say, yep, we're cash buyers. We're ready to rock and roll. Let's do this. You'll write that offer. It'll get approved. And Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage is going to execute a mortgage for you that's going to put you in the best financial position for you and your family. That's why you trust Devery Davis. Call him today, 801-543-9666. And the other thing, Jake, you and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. When you call Devery Davis, you're not just some small fish in a huge pond. Yeah. You actually talk to him. You deal with Devery. You can text him. You can call him. And one of the best experiences that we've had with Devery is sitting in front of our townhouse that we wound up buying in, in Daybreak. Yeah. During the height of the competition for houses in this state, I texted him an MLS number. He got back to me in five minutes. Five minutes. And yeah. said, yep, here's this situation. It's it's It's... We talked about whether it was FHA. Hey, should I go conventional here? How should I write this offer? Like, he's like, hey, here's how I would handle it. Here's what you're qualified for. Get after it, kid. Like, that's the level That's the level of service you get from Devery Davis. You're not just some guy. You're not just some other dollar sign when you work with Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. MLS, M N M L S number. Hello. 278-545, Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage are equal housing lenders. And by the way, Devery Davis is the reason you're going to see BYU and Notre Dame. Um, and I'm really super excited about this. We're sending yes. a listener plus one to see Notre Dame and BYU at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, October 7th and 8th, all presented by our good friend Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage, as well as our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh, Logan, Um is a huge store with a great butcher. Amazing butcher, dude. Really? Amazing butcher. Seriously. Uh, Lehigh, Logan, Layton, St. George, and of course our good friends at Murray, uh, the barbecue pit stop in Murray. Um, we're having a huge viewing party for BYU and Oregon at the Lehigh Barbecue Pit Stop coming up on September 17th. I'm pumped. It's going to be amazing. Thanks to all of our sponsors. And again, you know the way this show works. We talk about this all the time. Yep. Um, we have sponsors on this show now. Uh, uh, the show has grown exponentially. Um, and we would, we really need you guys to support our sponsors. So when we talk about mortgage or we talk about smokers and you're going to see, we're going to add a few more coming up, uh, as well. We need you guys to go there. We need you guys to say, Hey, Devery, I'm calling you to let you know, Hey, thanks for supporting the Monty show. Yeah. You know, Hey, I, I need a mortgage or I need to refi or 
Hey, I heard about you on the Monty Show. That's what we need you guys to do. So please do, in fact, do that. Don't forget one hour from right now, Bob Thompson, former president uh, at Fox Sports, will join us. But until then, let's give in to our urges <laughs> and talk Utah Jazz basketball and NBA hoops. Because you know. one of the big questions about the Utah Jazz is what should they do with Donovan Mitchell? And are the Utah Jazz done with trade talks on Don? I would tell you that the Utah Jazz are not done talking trades with Donovan Mitchell. And sources have told us, you know, really pretty much all summer long, the Jazz are not intent on trading Donovan Mitchell. But when the Knicks call with six draft picks and four yeah. players, they've got to listen to that. But here's a question, and it's a, it's a good one, and it's an important one. Are the Utah Jazz better off hanging on to Donovan Mitchell until the summer of 2023 at a minimum? Because a year from now, you have big names coming onto the free agent market, guys like LeBron James, guys like Kyrie, guys like James Harden. You have a situation in Golden State where Golden State's going to have to pay Draymond Green. They're going to have to pay Andrew Wiggins. They're going to have to pay Jordan Poole. There's going to be a lot of movement in the summer of 2023. So, Jake, are the Utah Jazz better off waiting one more season to trade Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I think there's definitely some some pretty serious reason and logic in it. Um, but one thing I have an issue with is this this concept that they're just one thousand percent going to trade Donovan Mitchell. Like the assumption I feel like right now is that Donovan's gone and he'll never wear the note again. Like that's what I feel like the you know the assumption is. People just think that like it's over. Like he's gone. We're never going to see Donovan again. And that's just not the case in my opinion. I I I think that that the, the chances of Donovan coming back are actually pretty good. I, I, I As I've been saying, my opinion has always been that, that that they intend on building around Donovan Mitchell, but if they get an offer that's too good to refuse, then then they'll take that offer, you know? And so that's where the Knicks have kind of come in with with all of these, you know, all of these packages that we've been discussing over the last several weeks. So this thing about waiting a year, to me, waiting a year is not just about all the movement that's going to happen because there will be a lot of movement, as he was just saying. But I also think waiting a year gives you the opportunity to see what Donovan Mitchell can truly be when he's given space and given the opportunity that other top-tier players in the league are given. And, and what I mean by that is put him next to more athletic guys. Put him next to guys that the defense has to respect. Put him next to people who can actually contribute on an individual level. And that's why that's why I think waiting a year could really be beneficial. Because what happens if if Donovan Mitchell comes out, and, and he's not going to score 30 every single night, but let's say that he bumps his point-per-game average by three points this season. He goes from 25.5 to 28 points a night. Let's say that the, the assists go up by two a game, right? He has a career year. He's dominating for you. Does that mean that you're going to keep him or you're going to trade him? Well, I don't know, but what it definitely means is that his trade value just went up or that what you're asking for was just legitimized even more. So I think, yeah, waiting a year, there's a lot of logic in it, not just from from the movement in the league, but also from upping his value because I think everyone can agree he's going to have a big year. Yeah, I, I think if you've been paying attention to Donovan Mitchell over the summer and you're watching what he's doing, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is in fantastic shape. He looks great. You've seen him working on that mid-range game. You've seen him in the Black Ops runs with Chris Brickley's guys. Like, you've seen Donovan Mitchell looking really, really good, working out a ton. Like, Donovan Mitchell is in position, in my opinion, to have a 30-point-per-game a, a average the first six months of the season. I mean, when you look at the shape that he is in in the game 
um, that he is going to bring back to the floor. There's no reason to think that he cannot um, evolve into a 30-point-per-night player. The question's always going to be his defense. But, yeah, I think there's real value in waiting um, to see what Donovan's value becomes next summer because you look at the guys that are available in free agency this coming a year from now, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving. You look at the situation in Golden State with Dre, with Wiggins, with Jordan Poole. They're not going to pay $400 million. They're, that, I they mean, would they, be the first they, team to ever do that. I, I mean, the luxury tax alone at $400 million would choke a horse. Yeah, like, it's crazy. It, you just cannot do that. Yeah. So I think there's going to be significantly more, more movement coming at this trade deadline and into next offseason. I think there is going to be exponentially more player movement and that means that you're going to have a lot more opportunity. You look at how frozen the NBA trade and free agent market has been the last six weeks. I just don't think you're going to get maximum value for a guy that could well average 30 points a, a game. Yeah. And so it makes a lot more sense, in my opinion, Jake, to hang on and, and trade Donovan Mitchell next summer. Um, when you see the free agent market, I mean, your 2023 free agents, Harden, Kyrie, LeBron James, among others, that right there is enough to cause competition in the marketplace, which is going to open up other people's pocketbooks and rosters. Let me ask you this. A lot of Jazz fans will say, well, that's all great. That's all fine and dandy that there's going to be a lot of free agent movement, but we're a smaller market, so we're going to have trouble getting you know those guys you just mentioned, the Hardens, the, K the KDs, the LeBrons. Sure. So does that do you feel like that ruins this this you know concept of waiting a year? I don't think it does. I think when you look at the Utah Jazz, and I, I again we talk about this all the time, the Utah Jazz are not the team that's going to go out and sign this huge free agent, right? I mean their their best business is going out and making trades, and the reason that those free agents matter so much that when you look at Kyrie, LeBron. Um, you know, James Harden, just to name a few, and you look at the availability of guys like Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, I mean, the reason they matter so much to the Utah Jazz is very simple. It creates opportunities in the marketplace. It's not that you want to sign James Harden or Kyrie or LeBron. It's that you need other teams to sign those guys, and you need those other teams to create movement on their roster so that they can sign those guys so you can acquire guys via trade, so that you can acquire guys in second-tier free agency, Fact. so that you can acquire more draft assets to go out and make better trades right. to position your roster. It allows you to retool and rebuild this team much more quickly than you would traditionally because it's, well, very, yeah, it's very rare that you have this caliber of talent available on the market in the NBA. And you look at what's going on with Kevin Durant and you look at what's going on with, with the Nets. Joe Sy and Kevin Durant are supposedly going to meet this week. And if that happens, there's a real good chance, in my opinion, that Kevin Durant winds up staying in Brooklyn. And <laughs> you look at this coming trade deadline, you're going to have Kyrie Irving, who we know is not in good standing with the Nets. You can't tell me that they've found a way to mend that fence. Yeah, He's likely going to get traded. And whether that's now or... Whether that's at the trade deadline, whether that's next offseason when he's a free agent, don't forget, who's the team that'll be able to pay Kyrie Irving the most money? Well, it'll be the Brooklyn Nets. That's a sign-in trade deal waiting to happen. You look at that situation, you look at some of the guys who have signed deals, the Utah Jazz should be open for business, and I think they are. I, I, I again maintain that even if it's not Donovan Mitchell, you can't tell me they're bringing Boyan Bogdanovich back to the back to the club for training camp. I don't see that happening. Yeah. You can't tell me that they're not entertaining conversations on Patrick Beverly. I think, frankly, the guy that's got the most value on this roster 
is is probably one of the two guys you acquired from Minnesota in Malik Beasley or Jared Vanderbilt. And I just don't see that the Jazz have much of an appetite to trade Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I, I don't see that Mike Conley has any real value in the marketplace at all. So again, I go back to the question, are the Jazz better waiting for a, 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 a more, what's the right way to say it, a stronger equity position than they're in now? Because your only real marketable trade ship is Donovan Mitchell, and that's a guy, Jake, that I don't think they're, they're intent on trading. Yeah, and, and that's my biggest thing. I, I, I just am not huge on on trading Donovan Mitchell. I, 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 I still believe in him. I still think that there's a lot of growth there. I think that nobody in this market or nationally, I haven't heard anybody literally not a soul besides us talk about the fact that he's coming into a new offense. The fact that, you know, Will Hardy is going to be running a fast-paced, quick-moving offense. Why is nobody talking about this? Donovan Mitchell has been in an offense where he is surrounded by guys who are not athletic. He's surrounded by guys in in like Rudy Gobert who are limited offensively. Put Donovan Mitchell on the Boston Celtics. Put Donovan Mitchell on the Phoenix Suns. Swap book in Donovan Mitchell. You're telling me that Donovan Mitchell's not going to go and put up 30? You, you, you can honestly say in your heart of hearts that he wouldn't put up 30 in the Phoenix Suns offense. Come on, man. Come on. And, I and think that, he would. And, and that's why I say, like, waiting a year, it, there's a lot of logic, but I also think we can't undersell the fact that what happens if Donovan blossoms into a, a bona fide, grade A, like, no doubt about it, superstar? What happens if if he takes the same path that Book took? Now, all of a sudden, I don't think you're willing to trade him. Now, I think he is the guy. And that's what I think that this window in time right now, that's why I think Donovan's working hard. That's why I think Donovan's been in the gym, you know, getting that mid-range game on lock. Because Donovan knows that this is it's now or never. You're going to get it done now, or you're going to be a mediocre to above, slightly above average starter in the league. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's that far. It's interesting, um, one of your tweets yesterday, um, and you should definitely follow Jake. Um, well, I mean, you should. I don't know that you should. I mean, you're taking your life in your own hands if you follow Jake on Twitter. SLC Supercars on Twitter. But I mean, you should definitely follow me, The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. is This hour of the show is brought to you by Barbecue Pit Stop. You should definitely follow them on Twitter and Instagram at BBQ Pit Stop. But talking about the Utah Jazz and waiting, it's funny. You tweeted a thing from Bleacher Report that talked about power rankings by position. Power ranking! Power! Because, again, you can't say you can't say power rankings. Bless it! No, Bless you can't. It. You can't power! But it's interesting that Donovan Mitchell, according to Bleacher Report, at shooting guard, they rank the top three as Devin Booker. Hey, bud. That's my, my guy. What's up, daddy? <coughs> um, Devin Booker, Paul George, number two, and Donovan Mitchell, number three. At shooting guard. Do you like that? Um, I do like it. I think that that's some pretty major shade at Paul George, with all due respect to Devin Booker. I think that I would rather have Paul George. I think he's a superior hey, defender. Like, I will slap you. Yeah, I'm sure you will. But the fact you is, do is not Paul George talk is a about, stopper, bro. You do not talk about a Kardashian don't, in that let's light. Not, let's not forget what Paul George did to Mike Conley when they matched up. I don't. I haven't forgotten about that. But anyway, the point is... is You do not... Paul George or Devin Booker? Paul George. Uh, Devin Booker. <clears throat> okay, go with Devin Booker. Fine, great. 
I'm telling you that Paul George is a, is a superior defender to Devin Booker. anybody on that list. Devin Booker. Okay. Well, who's better looking? Anyway, I don't comment on, on that. <laughs> uh, Paul George over Devin Booker, and I think it's because I mean Paul George is a lock defender. Um, even though Joe Ingles is in his head. Right. Um, right. You know, remember that whole thing. Right. Please. Uh, but, yeah, Please. you know, um, I take Paul George. I and the, But this is why I say, like, and I know everybody tried to kick my ass over this, but I'm telling you, Donovan Mitchell is not that far away from a top five player in this league. Yeah. I am telling you now that Donovan Mitchell, if he comes back and he's got a defensive game, and he is a, a, an absolute assassin in the mid-range, he's a top-five player in this league. Yeah. If he averages 30 points and he plays defense, he's a top-five player in this league. He's being talked about with names like Paul George, Devin Booker. I mean, like, you look at his game, and, and he does not have that far to jump. He has got to be a better defender, Donovan Mitchell. That's the thing that I think stands alone. Um, speaking of slap you in the face, Austin uh, Garrett says, just a reminder, maple bars are delicious. They are. They are. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Zayman says, cougar tails are for sure delicious as long as they've showered first. <laughs> see, what he, see what he did See there. what he did there. Cougar tails like the donut, but then cougar no, like Zach mom's no. friend. No, Zach mom friend. Zach's mom's best friend. Right. Yes, let's, yes, yes. Let's get that right, okay? Jerk. Uh, anyway, Eric uh, in Raleigh makes the foolish statement that, quote, I want Clay Thompson as my shooting guard. Do you even watch Warrior Games, bro? Um, I'm, taking, think, I'm taking Don, Devin Booker, and Paul George over Clay Thompson. I think Clay Thompson still has proving to do. I think Clay did a hell of a job getting back and contributing, but I think he's got proving to do. Right now, today, I have to agree. I think six months into the season, let's see where Clay Thompson is. Yep. Uh, let's see. Kay Nuren says, Danny will not trade uh, just to trade. Only if he wins, the Jazz win. Totally would agree with that. Uh, Matt says, love the show, guys. The Pac-12 president seems to be in delusion. There is only going to be two spots available in the Big 12. Oregon is not going to sign their grant of rights long-term with the Pac-12. I think that's, that's what a I'm huge saying, question. Yeah. I think that's exactly yep. right. Yep. Uh, Donovan, or excuse me, Eric and Raleigh says, put Donovan in a non-toxic locker room. Yeah. You, you, you see what I mean? Like, put Donovan yeah. in a better position. Yes. And, in, 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 frankly, in the position that guys on that list, you know, the books, the PG-13s, the Jason Tatums, like, put him in the same position those guys are in and watch what happens. And, by the way, I have no problem saying it. If Donovan gets into that kind of position and fails, great. That's what sports is about. You have to give him the opportunity. Yes. And you either, you either sink or you swim. It's, it's just that simple. Well, I think you also look at what happened in that locker room last year, and I think it, it really hurt the team. Don't forget, 45 minutes from right now, Bob Thompson, former president of Fox Sports, joins us to talk uh, about what is clearly, I think, the biggest story in sports today, and that is that the uh, exclusive negotiating window um, for the Pac-12 expires today with uh, Fox Sports and ESPN. Bob Thompson, former president of Fox Sports, joins us at 8.30 Mountain Time um, to talk college football and what's going to happen in the Big 12 and the Pac-12, so stick around for that. But right now, we are talking uh, NBA hoops and Utah Jazz. And by the way, a lot of people asking about the latest on Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks. There isn't a latest. Um, from what I understand, they, they, have, they have touched base occasionally over the last two weeks. 
There have not been real substantive talks uh, over the last two weeks. We'll see if that changes. Um, and I still maintain that the most likely guy on this roster to get traded um, is Patrick Beverly. And I think they can't do that till the end of the month. Um, but I think this lingers awfully close to training camp. Mm-hmm. This lingers awfully close to training camp. By the way, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors real quick because I'm curious, of Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole, yeah. who do you value most in that situation? Jordan Poole. To me, it's Jordan Poole. I think, See, I think it's Wiggs. Well, I think Andrew Wiggins has taken a huge step. I think Wiggs did it for one year. I think that there is doubt. Uh, has Jordan about, Poole done it for even a year? Um, I no, but I think Jordan Poole has shown you enough that in at his age, he's shown you enough that you want to invest in him long term. He has the size, uh, he has the body, he has the 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 game. You know, obviously, he needs to kind of reel in some of those threes that he takes. You know, he's got to reel game in and refine a little bit. But to me, I I Jordan Poole is the guy I would go with. I think Wiggins is a hell of a player. Uh, I think he had a career year. And my only questions with Wiggins is, hey, like, if you pay this guy, are you paying a guy huge money to then disappoint you for the next couple of seasons? Was it just a one-off year? Or is this kind of where he's at? And I think the other factor to that is, hey, if you put him next to Steph, the odds of him having another great year are probably pretty good, you know? So I I I think Wiggins is re-signing Wiggins is, is... I would say medium risk. I don't think it's high risk. I certainly don't think it's low risk. I think it's medium risk. I think Wiggins just hasn't been a consistent player, but it's funny how that works. You put him next to a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest of all time, the best shooter the league's ever seen, and all of a sudden he's playing better basketball. So that's why I say, like, I I think in order, if you're asking me what the totem pole is, priority pole for re-signing these guys, to me it's Poole, Wiggins, and then Draymond. I, I, I think, unfortunately, Draymond is somebody who his game is predicated on his ability to defend at all three levels. And as you get older, you lose, you lose some athleticism. You lose that step you had. So I think he's a guy that, you know, his value is going to diminish in several years if you sign him long-term. I don't see how any team can pay $400 million in salary. Well, if there was a team, it would be the Warriors. Like, I don't. I wouldn't. But if there was a team, it would be them. Well, with the new building and the championships and the you've got bread. And, <laughs> it's I really mean, more yeah. of a conversation of if you're willing to. And or you not. got deep bread. I I agree with that. But I think as Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, has learned that doesn't always equate to winning. But I think culturally speaking, you have the best culture in the NBA. I think you certainly have the best coach in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um. I think you have the best shooters in the history of the NBA. It's just a matter of when does the core of this Golden State Warrior team get broken up? Because I also think signing Draymond Green to a $36 million a year deal, especially giving him four years with a fifth-year option, that's a, that's rough. That's not something I, I think I have the tolerance for. So I know they're very good. That's the same thing I say about the, the Phoenix Suns. At what point does, does Bob Sarver get blown up as the owner there? Um, and if he doesn't get blown up, how long are are because right now there's questions around the NBA. I can tell you, I talked to a source the other day who said it. There is, there they are not sure that there's a willingness for players to go there and play for him. Yeah, and it's, it's unless you're Kevin Durant, it's something that is interesting. And well, but they haven't been able to get that deal done. And mm-hmm. I think that I think Chris Paul is not the same player he was last season or two seasons ago. Yeah. And by the way, they've gotten just there, but not close enough. And then they didn't get there this year. And you don't generally get to the NBA Finals, lose in the Finals, and then get back and win a championship. That's how that happens. You don't get to the Finals, lose, 
come back, don't get to the finals, lose. And not just that you didn't get to the finals, you got like embarrassed you out got of the torched. playoffs, dude. You got torched yeah. by the Mavericks. I mean. Embarrassing. I, I think there's a lot of questions about the quality of the Phoenix Suns. And that's why I say season. like this whole, this whole thing about, hey, wait a year. I, I think that's really interesting because while Book is on a long-term extension and he's, yes. I think he's got 193 million left or whatever, like he just started that deal. That doesn't mean he can't move. Like, I hope everyone understands that. That does not mean it's more difficult. Yes, it is more difficult. Absolutely. million bucks a year. But that doesn't mean it can't be done. And that's why I'm saying, you know, waiting a year, if you're the Jazz, these are the kind of situations that you could potentially, you know, get involved in. But the other problem that you have to remember that the Suns have is that they're they're now paying DeAndre Ayton a crap load of money. Yeah. And you're paying a guy that's a problem for you. Because let's not kid ourselves. Let's not pull any punches. DeAndre Ayton's a problem for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, coach and player relationship is not great. Um, I don't think his teammates are fully believe in, in DeAndre Ayton in the biggest moments. And DeAndre Ayton's soft, mentally and physically. DeAndre Ayton is soft. And I think that you, you did the right thing in matching because you couldn't let him walk away for nothing. Mm -hmm. But you should have traded him. Yeah. And you can't tell me that this just cropped its ugly head in the playoffs last year because two years ago in the finals run, you knew this was a problem and you didn't do anything about it. And my feeling is, is that DeAndre Ayton's going to, going to drag on you for a while. But it and feels like it kind of came to a head in the playoffs. It feels like, you know, like what you were saying, like it's been building, you know, it's been sort of festering, if you will. And that whole thing where you benched him in the middle of a finals run, um, yeah, it feels like that was an issue. It feels like, well, hey, maybe they could have handled that a little better. And maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's part of it because, you know, obviously you can't let them walk for free, but, or for nothing rather, but maybe that's part of what the Suns are going through. Maybe they didn't handle it well either. I think it's a double sided thing. But I just, I, I don't know, man. DeAndre Ayton's got to get better at catching the ball in tight quarters. He's got to get better at dunking on people instead of laying it up. You got to get, you got to get meaner. You got to get tougher. And, and that's hard to teach. You know, the funny thing is we're back on this thing where people want to DM me during the show. Oh, God. And vanishing mode. If you DM me during the show, I don't read it. Mm -hmm. And I generally don't. I get a lot of DMs on Twitter, especially. Mm -hmm. But if you send me a DM during the show, man, it, the only reason I'm reading it is because I had a lot of notifications and my phone was telling me, hey, jerk, we'll get your notifications. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. You guys comment like we're not. I'm not going to read your DMs during the show. I'm not doing it. Okay. Uh, Big Dog O-Town says, uh, Yo, Jake, knowledgeable basketball fans know exactly what you're saying. Emotional ones are too much in your feelings to grasp what you're spitting. Shout to Mo Bamba. By the way, Big Dog, did you see Mo Bamba working out? Video going around Instagram? Mo Bamba. Yeah, dude's in shape. Dude's in shape. Just saying. Mo Bamba. Shout to Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. Uh, Austin Garrett says, Also, I'm a fairly new listener. What have y'all been saying about Alex Caruso? Well, Jeremy Bolton. <laughs> Jeremy Bolton, our known Alex Caruso hater. I happen to be a big fan of Alex Caruso. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Alex Caruso. Seriously, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. I love his game. Well, you've been I following him since Laker days. Yeah, I love his game in L.A. Yeah. I think there's no doubt the Lakers missed him last year. I mean, I think he's he is one of the true glue guys in the NBA. Um, I think he is a great topper on any championship caliber team. Yeah. And I think that I would love him either on, you know, I'm a Bulls fan. I want the Bulls to build. I want the Bulls to add. I'm glad they didn't make the Rudy Gobert trade. 
um, because I I want to see what Patrick Williams can do. Um, I want to see what another year of Demar and and another year of Zach together. Mm-hmm. Um, you More know, Demar, less Zach though. Well, you know, I mean, they can play that. That's a team that that needs to learn to play at all three levels. Yeah. So we'll see. And are they better defensively? I don't know. We'll see. But this Caruso junk with getting hurt and like all the dirty plays that he had to endure and like that's that's why I like Caruso because I feel like you know when when uh, oh my God what's dude's name the uh, Grayson Allen when Grayson yes. Allen you know did Grayson Allening things uh, to Alex Caruso I you know I just was like damn man that was rough and then to have Alex come back and like do what he did and and really be a contributor I just he's he's a work hard guy and that's why I like him he's certainly not some superstar in the league or anything but but I respect guys who know their limitations, know their game and how to play inside of it, and, you know, lay it all on the line for their team. And I think that's what he does. Absolutely. Well, and I I think the thing with the Bulls that you have to remember is you have a mix of veterans and young guys. I mean, Io DeSumo is a guy that's got to grow and improve. Um, But when you also look at what guys like Caruso bring, I mean, they have a lot of that caliber player. You need... That's why I think Pat Williams and Io DeSumo are two really huge figures on that roster. They've got to grow and expand. They've got to become more consistent, better contributors, both offensively and defensively. And there's a big unknown about Patrick Williams' game and what the the ceiling or the scope of his game is. That's yeah. a that's a huge question for me. So it'll be interesting to see exactly where the Bulls go, but um, I love Alex Caruso I, in, in all seriousness. Uh, DJ Lopez says the Timberwolves are going to be Eastern Conference champions, Jake. Correct. Yes, absolutely. All knowledgeable basketball fans know that's the case. Uh, Neil Wilson Wilson. Okay, you're forever known as Wilson now. Is your middle name Wilson too? Uh, <laughs> Wilson! Um, did you see Tony Jones article on how the Knicks are lowballing the jazz with their offer? I did not see that. I did not see that, but that is the case. I mean, that's yeah. what I've been saying. I mean, they want a discount. I think we've n- reported on this show, um, for a while now that the Knicks were willing to part with four play, four picks, four first round picks and two players. And they, as well as a veteran. And I think that they would have parted with quickly. I I don't think that they wanted to part with McBride or, or Grimes. Yeah. Um, and I think they would have parted with quickly Toppin and, and Cam Reddish and four first-round picks, and Danny Ainge didn't want that. Danny Ainge wants wants all you got. Yeah. I think Danny Ainge would do this deal for six picks for quickly Grimes, McBride, and Toppin with Cam Reddish. I think he'd do that deal right now today. I don't think the Knicks will even talk about that deal. And if I, it's very interesting. The debate that's gone on about the Knicks and the Jazz is who needs the deal more? Who's actually got leverage? I don't know that one team has more leverage than the other. But what I do know from talking to people at the Jazz is they're not intent on trading Donovan Mitchell. They're not out there like, man, we got to find a team to take Donovan. That's not where the Jazz are at. And I can tell you repeatedly, I have been told by sources at the Utah Jazz that if they can get a deal that blows them away, they will trade Donovan Mitchell. If they cannot get a deal that blows them away, they will not trade Donovan Mitchell. No, and, I and, guess and not. again, I will say the same thing that we have said on this show for four to six weeks, certainly since the Gobert trade went down, certainly since the strong rumors of Donovan Mitchell being traded to the Knicks. Who else can do it? Nobody else can do it. Now, there's this idea that the Heat, 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that believe Donovan Mitchell would like to go to Miami. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. That he can't even get in the conversation. Congratulations, I mean, but that's bullshit. We, we have had Jake on this show. I think you would agree. We've had long debates about Tyler Hero's upside. And is he a guy? No. I, just... I, I can tell you right now, the Jazz have told me point blank, there is zero interest in Tyler Hero. Listen, the Jazz are not in a position to just do any deal as far as Donovan's concerned. Like, not that you would just take anything, but... But like you, you know, if you look at, you know, the 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 Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers, your nameplate, you know, teams. Those are teams that can that have a have an appetite to move on from players a little bit easier because they know they're always going to be in the cycle. They know that they're always going to have talent. And they're always, you know, it's just hey, it's on to the next deal, right? The Jazz are not in that position. The Utah Jazz are in a position where you have a generational talent in Donovan Mitchell. If you're going to move on from him, it's going to be for something that is an absolute haul. And the problem here that I think people are forgetting that somehow is not being talked about once again is that because you got so much for Rudy Gobert, that's allowing you to ask for a ton more for Donovan Mitchell. Hey, I got this for Rudy. That means I got to get that for Donovan. Well, you that's set what's your, happening. You set your trade market. Yes. I mean, that's... Danny Ainge has been in control of the league for, for a while now, and I've, and I've been saying that for about six weeks since the Gobert deal <laughs> happened. Danny Ainge wrecked the trade market, and by extension of that, he's in control of what happens because he set values that now he can go out and he can say, okay, we got this for Rudy. That means Joe Sy and the boys in Brooklyn are asking this. And that's what I think is fascinating about where we are. Jeremy Bolton. Yeah. I will block you. Um, and the next time I see you, I'm snapping that headband. <laughs> hey, Austin, I have a few thoughts on Alex Caruso. Do the oh names Steve Blake, Adam Morrison, or Keith McLeod come to mind? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I, I Jeremy Bolton. I seriously wonder if you've ever seen Alex play. Alex play just a single bro, game. The the a the single comparison game. to Steve Blake is disrespectful, bro. No, the comparison to Adam Morrison and that amazing mustache is disrespectful. Don't sass me, Burkus. I will slap the mustache off your lip. Uh, Eric C says, "Hey Monty, how about them Padres? Let's go for once. A team that I actually root for won a game. Real quick, thirty seconds. Did they give up too much for Juan Soto? <laughs> Way too much. Way too much. But he did walk and then get a base hit and then, you know, scored a run. All I can say is your favorite player ever, Brandon Drury, hit a grand slam on the very first pitch that that motherfucking... (laughs) Anyway, the first pitch that Brandon Drury saw, he jacked it. Do you even lift? I mean, he jacked it while the pitch was on the way back, zipped up, and then hit a home run. What do you bitch? See what I did there? Um, I thought it was a great trade. Cronenworth hits another home run last night. They were up 5 nothing after the first inning. That's pretty much self-explanatory. I, mean, I think the NL West is the Dodgers wow. and the Padres, which is exactly what it should be because so it's the San just Francisco the Dodgers. Giants continue to stomp on people's tex- testicles with just head-scratching personnel decisions. Okay, so that's how it's going to be. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, <laughs> if I were the Warriors, I would do whatever it takes to keep Wiggins and Pool. Draymond, I'm not sure if I would keep him. He is getting older, and I don't know how many more years he has. And I, I am a little reticent to sign him to a max extension. Hey guys. Especially five years I or mean, four years without an option. $30 million. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, let's see. Uh, Mardino87, right on topic, says Tony Finau's a millionaire. Uh, okay. Wow. Okay. 
Uh, Dwayne Boone. Dwayne Boone. Good morning, Dwayne. Uh, who replaces Rudy Gobert for the chess? Duh, Rudy Gay. Rudy for Rudy. Rudy on Rudy crime. Um, I don't know. Because I also think Rudy Gay is another guy they're going to move. Because mm -hmm. um, it makes no sense to have Rudy Gay on this team. I don't, the answer is I don't know. This roster is an incomplete thing. It is a living being, the roster. And it's incomplete. They will not show up October 1st with this group of players. But you will see that once things start picking up in the league, the roster is going to be done in like five minutes. Like I guarantee you they have deals in place that they could go and make. That's not even in doubt. I think it's just the way they want to go about it that they're waiting on. Dwayne Boone makes a really good point. Though. Dwayne? I wish we had crying or sad music. Dwayne? Dwayne Boone says no more, quote, Buckets O'Neal on the Jazz broadcast. Excuse me, it's Buckets O'Bench. Um, and by the way, yeah, seriously, is there a jazz broadcast? Like, are where are they on TV? Wait, are we are we talking are we talking Pac twelve or, or are we talking jazz? Well, the Pac twelve has better distribution than the Jazz do. Great point. You know, man, you're just on fire today. Great point. They should put the jazz games on BYU TV. <laughs> uh, that'd be better carriage. <laughs> we still haven't gotten a jazz broadcasting announcement. Brought to you happened. by Qualtrics. Uh, yeah, I'm a billionaire. Uh, Thuny Music says the money don't match for that deal. Well, you would make a deal of some sort to yeah. make the money match. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. With okay, am I going to trade for Slava Medvedenko? Come on, Never. come on! That is a great basketball name. So wait, I, you just said. I'm sorry. Wait, Slava Medvedenko. That is a great poll that nobody's going to know who that is. Who Go the Google hell is Slava Medvedenko? My five year old son, bro. Slava Medvedenko is a what? great obscure. What? Okay, Dude. in the comments. In Bro. the comments. Give me your favorite obscure NBA name. Because one of what mine. What are you talking about, man? Slava Medvedenko is one of my favorite, like, what? nobody flipping NBA obscure guy names. Slava Medvedenko. Suck it. Like, it is a. It is a <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it, it is a great obscure NBA guy. Oh Slava Medved, Dave Corzine back in the day. Like, think of that guy who sits at the end of the bench and you're like, all right, we're down 20. Slava, Medvedenko, get your ass up here. Let's go. Like, that's that guy, right? Obscure NBA guy is the best NBA guy, right? I mean, that's truly what it is. Uh, okay. Uh, Tanner says, also, Jeremy, in your opinion, are the Orlando Magic the Sacramento Kings of the NBA? Okay. Wait, what? Um, I don't know what he means by that. Uh, Jeremy says, so does Adam Morrison and Luke Walton have more titles than the Jazz? LaBuckets carried Caruso to a ring. <laughs> LaBuckets. <laughs> Again, I just wonder, do you watch? Have you seen a game he's played ever? Uh, Tanner says, uh, I know Dwayne Boone. Dwayne. How will Craig Homer Bullerjack sleep at night without saying that name? I know. I know. I know. Dead Collector says if the Jazz are even entertaining offers, they don't believe he is a Hall of Fame player. I disagree. I disagree. I don't. Donovan Mitchell's not a Hall of Fame player right now. You're, these dude, these offers are are getting to a point from the Knicks where you'd be stupid not to at least have the conversation. Like I, I hope we're on the same page with that. Um, I agree. Uh, let's see. Duane says uh, I can't believe I don't hear any chatter about the World Cup being pushed to November this year. Okay, Guy. cool, bro. Kanai Johnson bro. says, uh, jazz roster like a puzzle that started with the edges and are now moving to the middle of the board. Seriously. But the jazz roster is also like a puzzle where you lost like three pieces 
and you're sitting there staring at it. You're like, okay, there's a red line here. Let's find a piece with a red line. Hmm. And you hey never guys. find that piece with a red hey line. And it's mainly because your cat crapped it out in the box of, of litter that you threw out your like a week ago. Your cat crapped it out. That's, that's always what happens. Like it's, it's one of those things. And my wife is a puzzle person and she almost never loses pieces to the point where I want to like steal a puzzle piece. Because my wife is also like, have you ever seen the movie The Accountant? Yeah. I have to finish. I have to finish. Mike, if my wife doesn't finish heights <laughs> or a puzzle, she will beat her shins with a, with a wood rod. Like she is that kind of neurotic. I have to finish. The Accountant is one of the greatest It movies. is. It is. I probably shouldn't have smoked crack before the show. Anyway, the point is. Hey, it is what it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt Rambis was that guy. The obscure guy. Boyd Lake, you think Kurt Rambis was obscure? I don't think he was obscure. Okay. Um, Neville 93 says Donkey Williams. <laughs> donkey? Uh, you said Donkey Williams. <laughs> uh, uh, Tanner Plummer says Gordon Giracek, another oh. obscure NBA player. Okay. Um, Mr. Tinfoil Man Live says <laughs> Rip the Pack 12. Okay. Uh, Riley O'Brien says Vladimir Rodmanovich. Vladimir Rodmanovich. Oh, bro, yeah. That left bro, shrimp. Yeah. Dude, wh where do you guys come up with these names? But I'm telling you, you have like, to. Like, is the next guy's name going to be Sven? Or like, no. What the but hell? like, Slava Medvedenko type players are legends. Medvedenko. Yes. Wasn't, wasn't George Niang this guy until he wasn't? He was this guy until he wasn't. Dude. Right? Like, if, if you think about it, if you think about like the 2000, like uh, let's look at the 2000 LA Lakers roster. Yeah. Because their roster was chock full of these MFers, right? Like <laughs> here are some obscure <laughs> NBA names amongst like Kobe and Shaq. Right. John Celestand. Who the fuck are you? John Celestand. Devin George. No idea. From Augsburg College. Devin George, right? Like. Come on, bro. Roster fillers for minimums. Yes. That's exactly. Every good NBA team has them. Yeah. Every, like, uh, Giannis's brother or the, those kind of obscure names. No, not Chris Birdman Anderson. No, he wasn't obscure. No, he was not. He was a, he was a really important like player. Like Chris Birdman, Anderson, you know, your Mike Jameses of the world. Those guys are not obscure. I agree. Uh, Cade Chrisleep says, uh, all I know is Will Hardy is glad he signed a long-term contract. The Jazz will have like six different rosters over the next <laughs> Wow. 20 minutes away from Bob Thompson, the uh, former president at Fox Sports Network. We'll talk uh, all about the uh, Big 12, Pac-12 TV situation, um, which I think actually today is a very important day for that as we give you the biggest stories in sports here on the show. Um, because today is the day that the Big 12's exclusive negotiating window expires uh, with ESPN and Fox Sports. We'll ask Bob what exactly that means. And one of the questions I want to ask Bob Thompson about is, what's the value that Utah has to the Pac-12 and to another conference? What value does BYU bring to the Big 12? And what's next? Like, it, is the Pac-12 still a viable football conference? And how important is it that they keep a UCLA? How how much of a tipping point does San Diego State represent between the Pac-12 and the Big 12? Yeah. You know, like, how important is SMU? Why hasn't the ACC been more aggressive? Like, all of these questions that will 
direct the 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 next generation of college football expansion I think are critical ones and Bob Thompson's a guy by the way that's been inside of negotiations just like this like if you are if you are ESPN are you paying 40 million dollars a year per school to are you paying 400 million dollars a year to the Pac-10 eh. I can't see doing that that seems like are a you, lot is it a 500 million dollar deal is it a hundred million dollar deal a year? I can't see it being that. You know, like what is what should we expect the number to be on the Big Ten TV deal? You know, like what, what does that look like? So Bob Thompson, the former president uh, of Fox Sports, will join the program coming up at eight thirty Mountain, uh, which is in about fifteen minutes. So stick around for that. Um, I think the other big story that we're tracking this morning is obviously Brittany Griner. Um, there is supposedly going to be a verdict. In her trial, prosecutors in Russia are looking for nine and a half years minimum for trafficking of cannabis oil um, is what Brittany Griner's charges are. So she's looking at nine and a half years worth of a sentence in a Russian jail today. We'll have that for you. Um, And I think the other other story that I think I want to touch on real quick, because I'd love to get everybody's opinion on this. Where are you at on this situation with Deshaun Watson? Because I think this is a very critical moment in time. What happened yesterday, and if you missed it, I, I, I think it is incredibly important. The NFL appealed the Deshaun Watson um, suspension yesterday. And what they're looking for is a 12-week suspension at a minimum and an $8 million fine. And one of the things that's so interesting here is will Roger Goodell be the one to hear this appeal? This is an NFL appeal. The NFLPA has said all along they were not going to appeal. They were going to take whatever suspension that Judge Robinson handed down. She handed down a six-week suspension. The NFL has appealed that because, let's be honest, six weeks for Deshaun Watson was just simply not enough. But now who hears this appeal? Roger Goodell has every single right from the NFL CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, the contract between the league and the players, stipulates that Roger Goodell is the hearing officer on all appeals. He has the final say. The question here is, does he hear it himself or does he assign another arbiter to hear it? That's one of the interesting things because here's the other question. If they assign an arbiter or another, an outside party to hear this appeal, that elongates the timeline. So what happens to Deshaun Watson? Well, if you're Deshaun Watson, you want to start serving that suspension. Because whether you get 12 weeks or you get six weeks, the clock is ticking. So he'll be able to, essentially in the NFL, when you get suspended, you're done. If it's a six-week suspension, the first three weeks of the season, he will be a ghost in, in Cleveland. He will not be allowed to be around. The last three weeks of that suspension, he can practice with the team and be around the the team in film study and meetings so that he is physically capable and able to play in week seven. But the problem is if they appeal and it goes to an arbitrator and it's a long appeal and you start playing, now it's week three and you get suspended for 12 weeks, now you're done for the rest of the season. Whereas if you get suspended for 12 weeks and you've served three of that, now you're into week 12 here. So, I mean, you're 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 just hurting yourself by not starting to serve it. Because let's be honest, you're going to get at least a six-week suspension out of this. At least. Start serving your suspension now. The bigger question here is, look at what the NFL is asking for. The NFL is asking for 12 weeks 
and $8 million. Why is the $8 million significant here? Because if you don't know, Deshaun Watson is only scheduled to make $1 million this year. And why is that? Well, because he knew he was going to get suspended. He knew there was a real good chance he was going to have to give up an entire year's salary. So they structured his contract to be backloaded. He's only making a million dollars this year. The NFL says, no, no, friends, that's not good enough. We're taking $8 million of your money. They're asking for a minimum of 12 weeks and $8 million. And by the way, what's the other thing that that 12 weeks covers? December 4th, when the Cleveland Browns travel to Houston to take on the Texans. The NFL and the Houston Texans do not want Deshaun Watson playing in that game. And that is why the 12-week marker is very critical for them. What should the NFL do here, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I think that 12 weeks is light, frankly, with everything you that's happened. You do think it's yeah, light? Yeah, I think it's light. I think, that, I think that if I was Deshaun, I'd be expecting a year. That's what I would be expecting. I think you look at what Trevor Bauer got in his situation. Obviously, you know, different sport, different commissioner, different setup, whatever. But just comparing situation to situation, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer got essentially two years. Like, uh, you know, and everything a court he went through. laughed his accuser out of court. And this is this is kind of the problem. And Judge Robinson talked about this in her ruling as well. She didn't feel like there was precedent based on the way that the, the NFL had doled out penalties. Adjudicated. Adjudicated situations like this. I mean, you look at other the other situations where you have guys that, that get a year suspension for um, playing fantasy football, or you get a guy that gets a, a six-week suspension for X or Y, and mm -hmm. you have a situation in Deshaun Watson where no criminal charges were filed. And I'm not defending Deshaun Watson. Frankly, I think his biggest crime here, outside of the actual sexual assaults that I believe, in my opinion, he committed, the biggest crime here is he refused to own up to his activity. Yeah, He refused to own up to any culpability in these situations, and I think that's his biggest crime here. Outside of the actual situation, his biggest mistake is that he's not apologized and shown no remorse. And I think that if you're the NFL, you have an image problem with female fans. Yeah, And there are a lot of female fans who have taken to social media, who have talked to TV and radio stations in both Cleveland and Houston, who have said, as long as he plays, I am not going to be a fan of the NFL. Well, and I think the image portion is 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 really the the front and center thing if you're the NFL. I, I think if you're... If you're Roger Goodell and you're the NFL, that's really what this is about. I mean, you you can't like six games was never going to be acceptable, and frankly, like I I I understand why. Hey, maybe you can't ask for a year, but I would not have had any issue if they had rolled out a year and then a big fine, like eight to ten million dollars. I think is perfectly reasonable. Um, but I think overall the problem is is the policies in place that are preventing people like Sue Robinson from lowering the hammer on Deshaun, meaning that, you know, the policy for the personal uh, conduct policy, the precedent is that you six games is like kind of the minimum, minimum, you know, thing. That's the issue. So when I look at that and I say, okay, well, that's the minimum. And there's not really any prior thing to go off of any yeah. prior precedent. What is Sue Robinson supposed to do? And the other thing you have to remember is they only went off of four cases. They didn't go off of all 25. So that's the other thing at play here. So, and the other thing is in Trevor Bauer's case, everything was in text message. Everything was written. There was a ledger. And with Deshaun, nothing's written down. Nothing's in a ledger. All we know is he pulled a towel trick and he was alone in the room with the woman 
And the woman is, you know, obviously accusing him of doing things. And I think we can all agree when you get to 25, there's no doubt you did those things. So that's why I say it's just, it is the same situation, but also different. And so that's why I say, I agree. If I'm Deshaun, I want to start serving this penalty as soon as I can. Clearly the Browns have a plan. And I think that this suspension and this financial penalty that, that Deshaun's going to pay ultimately is also a shot at the Browns ownership in front office. Cause I think it's not lost on Roger Goodell the way they structured that contract. And I think that that's why this penalty is going to be much heavier. Like that's part of the reason outside of just disciplining Deshaun for what he did. So yeah, I think it's, I think right now today, if he gives them 12 games and 8 million, I think that's, that's pretty, that's better from the NFL. Not ideal, but better. Yeah. And, and by the way, it's still not enough. I think he should be suspended a year and I think he should have to forfeit a, a significant amount of money. I think a million dollars. The problem is an NFL owner and Jimmy Haslam gave him that contract. So it's yes. awfully difficult to reach back into his pocket once that happens. So we'll see. Teddy Wayman with a $2 tip. Appreciate you, Teddy. He says, uh, Kyrilo, Kyru, some guy named Fisenko used to play on the Jazz. Okay. Who the f*** is that guy? Uh, let's see. A couple more. Kanai Johnson uh, said... I heard they were doing a prisoner swap for Brittany Griner. U.S. has someone in custody that Russia would switch her for. They have multiple people in, in custody. They have a, a significant arms dealer, and the Germans have a uh, Russian assassin who killed a Chechen warrior. Um, but the problem is the U.S. do not control does not control his fate. He's in a German He's an prison. Assassin. So that makes that awfully difficult, uh, KJ. Tanner Plummer says, uh, where am I at with the Watson situation? I think that a full suspension needs to happen. Today, it's all about PR, and the NFL will look better PR-wise if the appeal works out. I agree. But they're just garbage at PR. Yep. Don't forget, in 10 minutes, uh, Bob Thompson, the former president of Fox Sports Network, joins us on the show to give us the latest in his opinion, and what he thinks is going to happen is uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 look for new TV deals and new members. And we'll ask him what Utah and BYU's value uh, are going forward. But let's keep rolling on Deshaun Watson here. Um, Cade Chrisleep says, I think he hears it himself. He already had a bad press on his side um, with how he, quote, handled the commanders. Such a stupid name for a team. Yeah, by the way, the, the Dan Snyder situation in Washington is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, Boyd Lake says the NFL set up the arbiter to give Watson six weeks based on the wacky NFL precedent, all to be able to appeal. This uh, is to try to recover PR from the NFL, my opinion. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you at all. I think um, a lot of this is PR. I think a lot of it is. 1999 from Duane Boone. Appreciate that. Uh, Duane Boone says, I'm switching from OnlyFans to the Monty Show. <laughs> okay. Okay, I mean, Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne. And Mrs. Monty won't even be on the show today. Well, things are happening. Sorry. Giggity says, I read that Watson still feels like he did nothing wrong and has no remorse. The NFL needs to lower the boom on him. If I'm the NFL, I suspend him for the entire season. And I, I don't see how that's just, that's not the starting point. <laughs> and if I'm the NFL, I actually suspend him indef indefinitely and he is eligible to appeal before training camp next year like I, that's the minimum that to me i think from a pr standpoint is excellent and i think he needs to go through counseling and i think the only way i reinstatement is if, if he ad admits wrongdoing that's the if he admits with some type of mea culpa apology mm -hmm. 
responsibility for his situation, that is the only way that he becomes eligible for reinstatement. And if you are truly serious about this, and you're the NFL, if you are truly serious about this, I would make Deshaun Watson get some kind of counseling and therapy. Because if if you, if we're being honest about this now, and if we're really having a serious discussion about Deshaun Watson, you're suspending this guy 12 games they're asking for an $8 million. You know he's a problem. You know he's a problem. So you're just going to let this guy wander through your city in Cleveland and through your cities around the NFL. Are you telling me that he's no threat at all? Because at, at its core, the facts are, are almost undisputed based on these, these lawsuits that he has settled, right? He settled with women who are accusing him of heinous sexual assaults in some cases. He settled with them, but he has admitted no wrongdoing. This is a league that has a history of domestic violence issues where you have just heinous situations with men who play a violent sport and then bring that violence home. And you have women now who have said, I'm not going to support this league simply because Deshaun Watson's getting off scot-free. Yeah. You have an NFL owner who backloaded a contract and only paid him a million dollars because they knew he was going to get suspended and they wanted to help him financially. Yes. That's craziness yes. in my opinion. And that's why I say the NFL has an image issue. Yeah. They have an and, image issue. And again, never mind the Dan Snyder debacle where he's on a boat off the coast of Greece, avoiding a congressional subpoena yeah. in a situation that is 100% about the way he treats women in his organization. Yep. It's crazy talk to me. It's crazy talk. And yet the NFL makes billions of dollars every year. Yeah, and I almost it, feel like a lot nutty. of these situations the NFL finds themselves in now and in the past, a lot of them, from a disciplinary standpoint, I feel like are... I mean, I'm not going to say it's common sense because there is a lot to consider. Yeah. But I like I, this concept you've brought up of like, hey, we're going to suspend him indefinitely, and then he's eligible to come back at this date that he we He can set. apply for reinstatement. Yeah. But, but again, and this is just my opinion. Nobody's reporting this. I want to make this really clear. This is just my opinion. My opinion is that that if reports are true that they are going to ask for a minimum of 12 games and $8 million in a fine. I just don't think that's far enough when you're talking about a situation where you, the crimes that he's accused of. Mm -hmm. And this thing with Trevor Bauer is very interesting because I, I think that, and this is why I go back to this remorse comment that's on the screen uh, as we talk about Deshaun Watson's situation here on the Monty Show, um, that they're asking for 12 weeks and $8 million. And, and this thing with Trevor Bauer, the reason that's so significant is Major League Baseball took significant action almost immediately. Mm -hmm. They put him on administrative leave, which meant he was getting paid, but he was not allowed to be around the team or play. Which was proper at the now, time. Now they've suspended him for two years, and they have just pretty much put Trevor Bauer in a situation where his career's over for all intent and purposes. He'll never certainly play for the L.A. Dodgers again. That's not going to happen. And you're in this situation because... If you're Trevor Bauer, you made some really dumb decisions mm -hmm. and you brought blight to Major League Baseball. And again, I'm not judging Trevor Bauer morally. What he does in his sex life and in his bedroom, that's up to Trevor Bauer. All I know is Trevor Bauer, the woman that accused him of these things, got laughed out of court by a judge when she asked for a restraining order. 
the, the DA in Los Angeles chose not to press charges and Trevor Bauer has text message proof. He got a two-year rip for this from Major League Baseball. Deshaun Watson got six weeks and no, zero financial penalty. Six weeks and no fine. That's unbelievable to me. Yes. That is unbelievable. A couple insane. more. Three minutes. Bob Thompson, the former president at uh, Fox Sports, will join us to talk about Big 12 and Pac-12 expansion. Uh, but I want to get some of your comments in here. Thank you guys so much for uh, being here every single day supporting the show. Um, BB says, uh, so the NFL should do that as well. Nah, I'm good. He also said uh, baseball suspended a guy that was not guilty, right? But guilt is perception versus reality in, in big time sports, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it is whether you are found guilty in a court of law, these these leagues don't don't care about that. The NFL has it written in black and white in their contracts that they are the judge and jury. Yeah, the difference here is that Major League Baseball is being proactive and the NFL is being reactive, and that's the problem. The, Roger Goodell and the NFL have took entirely too long to, to get after Deshaun on this. Yep, uh, let's see. Tyler Sadler says, when is the former Fox guy going to be on? Give me about two minutes. He uh, he will be here. Tanner says, if we want things like this change, then we would probably have boycotted the NFL. But that's not realistic. Yeah, I think that's a little excessive. That, that's not realistic. You're not boycotting the National Football League. Yeah. We as sports fans have never done that. Yeah. Right, wrong. Like we can have common, you know, conversations about moral turpitudes and what does that really matter? Like the morality of these situations. Don't matter at all. All right, final uh, final voice on this will be Zayman, who says uh, Deshaun did have to go to Cleveland, sort of a prison sentence. Well, come on, man. Why are you killing the Cleveland? I don't Browns? think we can be tongue in cheek about Deshaun, man. I, I, I think it's too. You know, serious and I, for that. I think I think that's something that we have all we have all done pretty well with. Yeah. I think I think this Deshaun Watson situation is very serious, and I just think that you have to you have to treat it as such because there are. There are, at a minimum, 23 women making some pretty serious allegations um, against Deshaun Watson. All right, let's switch gears, get you back to college uh, football and expansion, because I know that is a, a big thing on the show. Pleasure to welcome uh, Bob Thompson, the former president uh, of Fox Sports, to the program. And, Bob, I guess my first question for you would be, how often are you hearing about expansion? And I would imagine it's one of the main things that people talk to you about. Uh, I hear Quite a bit about it, yes. <laughs> it is. So talk to me about your experience in this, Bob, because I think one of the things that's so interesting is you're a guy who's been through these processes. You're a guy who have been in conversations like this. When you hear about the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and all of these deals, what is your experience like in that? Is And what do you think is actually happening behind the scenes right now? Right. Well, as far as the experience goes, my, my first quarter – foray into conference realignment was when the Southwest conference disappeared back in the <laughs> early nineties. Um, you know, at that time we had agreements with the big eight and the Southwest conference, they kind of fell apart, got back together as the big 12. Yeah. Um, so that was round one. Round two was in, uh, uh, 2009, 2010 when, uh, the big 10 made a few moves. The sec made some moves, Pac-12 got a couple, you know, got uh, Colorado and Utah Mountain West. That was round two. And so this is my round three. And interestingly enough, it's it it always coincides with the expiration of television agreements. That's when the movement occurs. P5 
people are getting out of their grant of rights requirements. And so they have some mobility to move without paying large departure fees. Right, right. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's so interesting here is, and one of the questions we get a lot on the show is, how do these grant of rights work? I think a lot of people think that, hey, Utah is going to sign a deal with the you know ESPN. Explain that process, because from what, you know, obviously what we know is that those grant of rights go to the conference, who then goes to the network, correct? Correct. In essence, each school owns all rights that take place at their venues. Uh, So what they, they create a grant of rights, which is basically a binding legal agreement where they assign those rights to the conference. The conferences then amalgamate those rights and take them out to the networks to to sell in in total, um, it's no different than MLB, NBA, NFL. They, <clears throat> they there though the league retains all the national rights, whereas in college it's a slightly different. It retains it, it resides at the school, so the grant of rights basically locks the schools into requires them to provide their product to the networks that ultimately do the deal with the conferences. So it's from the top level rights and you hear tier one, tier two, tier three. Right, right. Now, now pretty much everybody is devoting or assigning all of their rights through the grant rights to the conference. The conference then sells the tier one package and tier two package. A tier three package turns into a Pac-12 networks or a Big Ten network, that type of thing. And in your opinion, Bob Thompson, former president of Fox Sports, joins the show. Let me ask you about the Pac-12 in general. There's all these narratives about, hey, look, the former commissioner, Larry Scott, did a lot of damage to the, to the conference and whatnot. Where did the where did the Pac-12 network go wrong in all of this? Pac-12 networks went wrong at the onset when they decided to, A, go alone, as opposed to partner. Um, for instance, we did a partnership with the Big Ten to get the Big Ten network uh, on the air. Right. Um, we have, you know, Fox had at the time we have, we had 20 regional sports networks. We had Fox news, we had the Fox broadcast network. So we had, we had kind of the juice to get the channels cleared. It took a while, but we did get it cleared. Uh, ESPN and the SEC network. Ah, did we lose you, Bob? Ah, I think we lost Bobby froze up on us, Jake. Unfortunately. Yeah. Darn it. Dang. That's all right. Uh, we'll get Bob back here in just a bit once uh, once we see that Bob's unfrozen. Um, because his experience is incredible. Um, yeah, his experience is in- incredible. But I think what's interesting is he was talking about the Pac-12 network and the way that that, you know, the way that that whole situation played out. Right. Um, I think that's one of the biggest issues that you have is that you just have no idea Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just feel like um, they had no idea what they were doing at the Pac-12. It, it, it's amazing the mistakes that they made. Yeah, I think that, you know, clearly if you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't have acted the way you acted. I mean, I, I again, we've talked so much about about the lack of distribution for, for the Pac-12, and, and that's the primary issue and the primary reason you are in the position that you are in. So it's no surprise to me. Uh, that you know, that's that's what we're hearing from Bob. That they they didn't know what they were doing. That they're they're not they're not you know well planned. I guess if if you will, like they're not their execution just isn't there because they weren't sure how to go about it. That's the 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 thing that I think is is really clear. And and you know, 
I, I, I love that he said that there, and I, and I, and I think it, that's how it works in our world, I feel like. The, the haves know how to execute. They, they know what they're doing, and the have-nots are lost. And, and unfortunately, the Pac-12 is lost, I feel like. Yeah, and I, I think, I don't know, is it, is, is it too late? Is it, I don't know if it's too late. I think for the Pac-12 network, it's likely too late. I mean, I don't know that there is a, a way to fix that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there is a way, you know, frankly, I don't know that you can recover from the mistakes that this conference made early and whether that's paying too much rent in downtown San Francisco, flying on private jets, you know, all of the money you've wasted, that money's gone now. Yeah. I don't know that there's a way to bring that back, but you know, is today is a very important day. It's a milestone in the Pac-12 because this is when your um, exclusive, you know, right to negotiate with Fox Sports and ESPN, that expires today. Not that it's really significant in that, well, hey, then you won't be able to make a deal because that's certainly not the case. But what you won't be able to do is secure yourself the deal that you probably wanted. Now, yeah. I also think there's leverage in waiting to see what the Big Ten does. Absolutely, there's leverage in that. But I, I somebody's got to blink. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to go. And I again say that, and, and hopefully we get Bob back here, but I, I again say that if you are able to add San Diego State and SMU to a mix of Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. If you're the Big 12, that makes all the sense in the world. If you're the Pac-12, I honestly, I have to think that you are dying to keep UCLA in the conference. Yeah, and I just think that you, you, you're you dying to like legitimize yourself with a distribution deal. And I know that it probably gets repetitive talking about TV deals and distribution deals and all this stuff, but... But that's that's where you're at. I mean, I, I, I feel like the Pac-12 has to get its stuff together. Like, I know that that's, like, kind of condescending, but that's kind of what it feels like. Hey, all these other conferences have deals, and, and you can find them easy, and it's not hard to watch the obscure Big Ten game, you know? Not at all. It's not hard to watch, you know, Northwestern versus some rando school. It's not. But but it's hard to get, you know, Oregon in in – you know, SC on a Friday night or whatever. Yeah, you know, it just is frustrating because, like I said earlier in the show, I love the Pac-12. I love the brands. I love that we get a football game in Southern California against two heavy hitters. I loved there was a game, you know, when Stanford was good, when they had Bryce Love and they were, you know, making some noise. When that was Stanford football, Stanford versus Oregon at Stanford. Hell of a game. And it was at like 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night. And I was like, yes. It was great, yeah. and that's what you just don't get uh, most of the time. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you fix that. I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know because I. I also think that the Big Twelve is not exactly in a position of security here. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, one of the conversations that's been had, and I think Josh Levern just asked this question: What do you make of Stuart Mandel of the Athletics saying that the Big Twelve could lose a few schools to the Pac twelve? I don't know why that makes sense. And Dr. Chris Hill yesterday, the former athletic director at, at Utah said, you know, hey, you know, I don't know why there would be any appeal for a Pac-12 team to join the Big 12. And I look at money. And I, I think when you are somebody like a Pac-12 team, especially if you're a lower tier, if you're Oregon State, if you're Washington State, I think it's incredibly difficult to find value staying in the Pac-12. If you're Oregon or Washington and the Big Ten comes calling, how do you say no to that? Mm-hmm. 
How do you say no to that? You've already seen USC and UCLA go. It almost opens the door. It skids the, the, the path for you. It greases the skids rather for you to go. I just don't know how you don't, yeah. how you don't make that move. So again, if you're Oregon, that's one thing. You're in demand, I think. If you're Utah, Colorado, if you are Stanford, whose AD says nobody's calling asking for them to join the conference, what do you do here? You have to make your own way. So, Josh, to ask, answer your question specifically, I don't know if there are going to be Big 12 schools. Houston is a school that everybody is talking about. Yeah. That the Pac-12 should try to to should try to steal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a viable answer? Eh. I have no idea. Eh. That doesn't does the does Houston feel like a fit? In, in in that conference, because I'm telling you, I don't feel like Houston's a great. I mean, geography wise, sure it is. TV market wise, sure it is. But is the fit like because the Pac-12 looks down their nose? Oh, you're not a research institution. Yeah, that's or, the biggest problem with the Pac-12. The the arrogance. Know? The we're better than you, even though we're not. The it's like the it's like the tryhard kid at school. You know, like hey, yeah, I'm the best, and I have all the nicest stuff, but. I'm a C player and I don't do really anything outside of look cool at school. Like it's that type of sentiment, you know, it's it, it, and, and that's what you just can't have. Like, I, I think overall the PAC 12 is just a, a, a conference that, that seemingly just thinks they're better than they are. And I, and I don't know how mm. you got to that place. Cause I think there's major respect in saying, Hey, yeah, we are struggling right now. Hey, yeah, we do need a distribution deal right now. Hey, yeah. We, we are frustrated that, that UCLA and USC decided to take a jump and go to the Big Ten yeah. um, you know, and, and, and essentially go behind our back to do it. We are frustrated by that. But while that negativity is real and it is in our face and we are dealing with it, uh, on the positive side, we still feel like we have some options and we are going to try and get UCLA back. I don't know. You know, when, an interesting comment from, from Josh says, arrogance schools left are UW-Washington, Cal, and Stanford. Is Stanford really that arrogant? I think if you ask Stanford about their education, yeah, they're they're arrogant. They're absolutely arrogant. I think if you ask Stanford about their fan base, I don't think they'll they'll be arrogant about football. I don't think they'll be arrogant about their fans, their stadiums. Their Stanford is a very small, unique school. Stanford is not a large institution. Stanford, I mean, you get the Bay Area TV market, but Cal, it would Cal, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think it is. And by the way, Bob is texting me saying, Hey, my Wi-Fi went out. Uh, things perfect. happen. Of course they do. Um, so we'll hopefully wait. We'll get uh, Bob back. Um, but my point is, um, I think one of the things that's interesting, um, I, I think you can't believe that if you're Stanford, that you have a ton of value as a sports property, as a TV market. Sure you do. Cal and, and Stanford together delivers you the entire Bay Area. Though, and a lot of people I don't think realize that Cal Stanford and the Bay Area is a is a is a huge rivalry. Is it B, is it BYU Utah? No, but it's one of the historic rivalries in the conference, and it's one of the things that makes the conference so good. Is that you have Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Cal and Stanford, like you have those things. My point is that I think the arrogance in the conference is on the conference as a whole. I think there's a lot of people in the Pac-12 who think that that being a research institution means that 
people in Alabama care about you. And I got news for you. They don't. It's about winning football games. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, if I'm Oregon, Oregon state, or, you know, if I'm Washington, Washington state, I want to stay together. Yeah. The apple cup is significant. You're looking at a situation in the state of Utah where we don't get BYU in Utah this year. And that's a travesty. You know, like, I, I don't know how you don't play that game every year. How do you not play Michigan-Ohio State every year? How do you not play Michigan-Michigan State every year? Well, you do because they're in the same conference. Yeah. You look at Washington-Washington State. Let's say Washington goes to the Big Ten. Are they playing Washington State every year? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know how I, I don't know how you facilitate that schedule-wise. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I think those are all valid, valid questions. I, I think that... They got this whole thing's got to get figured out one way or the other because I think to. there's just so much instability in college football right now that you have to get it you have to get it smoothed out and you just have to get it in a good place. So and yeah. and again back to Josh Lovren's comments uh, on that I I don't know oh look we got Bob back um, perfect let's get uh, let's add Bob Bob back to the stream and and Bob one of the things we're talking about. Um, is that today it is the end of the exclusive bargaining period um, for, um, you know, the Pac-12 and ESPN and Fox Sports. Um, what does that mean? What is, the, what is the true meaning of that? Well, in these agreements, especially the longer-term ones like this was, there's uh, usually a right-of-first negotiation included in the agreement at the back end. It allows you an exclusive period to talk with the conference about whether or not you can reach an agreement that would extend their deal going forward or create a new deal going forward. Uh, in this case, it's a 30-day period. Both Fox and ESPN have a right. There's no requirement, to my knowledge, that either party has to put an offer to the other. It's just a good faith negotiation. If that passes, then the rights are able to go out to um, open market. Right. And so when you look at where, when you look at where the the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are. Um, Stuart Mandel, the athletic, was talking about how there's a good chance that the Pac-12 could go and poach teams from the Big 12. What does the Pac-12 do here? It seems like, perception in, is reality, of course, but it seems like the Pac-12 is in a vulnerable spot. What's the, what is the next move, in your opinion, for the Pac-12 here? Uh, the next move for the Pac-12 is kind of get an idea of what their rights are worth on the open market. I think... Uh, it, depending on what they see there. And they may have to wait till the Big Ten deal is ultimately resolved because there's a lot of people looking to get into the Big Ten and not everybody's going to get a piece of the pie. So whoever's not on, you know, on the Big Ten uh, rights is probably going to be very interested in what else is out there. And the next one to come up is obviously is going to be the Pac-12. So my guess is, is assuming they can hold everybody together in the interim, they're going to wait till the end of the Big Ten negotiation to kind of have the ability to go out and test the entire market as opposed to just ESPN and Fox. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting questions is we, we throw money around like it's it's monopoly money, like it doesn't mean anything. I mean, the, right. they, these Big Ten numbers, Bob, I mean, we're talking about $100 million per school. Like, I, I mean, how do you as a, as, a, as a TV executive, and again, you were in, in the middle of this stuff in your career, how do you, mm -hmm. how do you find value in that number we're talking about now billions of dollars How, right. what is the roi on that well you have to look at each case separately um you know certainly as tv networks we look at same things very similar to conferences do when they go and expand um 
we're looking at market size. We're looking at, um, you know, good matchups. We're looking at uh, past history, um, all those types of things. We also look at, in the case of a, a conference like the Big Ten, is there ways that we can expand the Big Ten network to new territories, which is one of the primary plays, obviously, on uh, any Big Ten expansion. It, it was the same, not so much for ne Nebraska, but certainly for um, Rutgers and Maryland. They've got a presence for the Big Ten network on the East Coast. Same thing here. It's Southern California, six million home TV market. Um, you know, they're going to try and flip the Big Ten network to a basic service there, which, you know, is going to add, you know, three million homes to the Big Ten network. And that's that's a big chunk of change. So those are the type of things they look at. The networks look at the conferences are more into, um, you know, is it going to be uh, additive to the value of our rights deals as opposed to dilutive? Because now we're going to divide 16 ways instead of 14. Right. Uh, how, what's the academic fit? What's the culture fit? Those type of things is kind of what the conference looks at. Do you view Oregon as a valuable property to the Big Ten? Well, I did go to Oregon, so of course I do. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has value. I think the problem that Oregon has is the Big Ten is looking there and going, are they going to bring $100 million in value? And I don't know that they are. And, um, you know, there's probably you could make the case that there's more valuable teams in the Pac-12 than Oregon, just because, you know, Oregon's not so big. Uh, yeah. The Washington market's bigger. Northern Cal's bigger. You know, Stanford's got great academics. Big Ten loves that. Um, so I don't, you know, I, Oregon's very valuable within the Pac-12. And I think they'd be valuable to the Big Ten uh, if they decide to go beyond the teams they're looking at now, but I don't know that the Big Ten feels compelled right now to, to run out and just add teams to add teams. Yep. Talking to Bob Thompson, former president of Fox Sports Networks here on the Monty Show, as today is the day uh, that the exclusive negotiating period ends between Fox and ESPN. And, you know, when we talk about value and we talk about what brand is worth what, when you look across the, the Pac-12, and obviously the story now, and we're having this conversation today because USC and UCLA um, have evacuated the conference, if you will, going to the Big Ten, but there's right. all this belief system that maybe somehow, some way, UCLA can stay in the, in the Pac-12 and they can make that deal happen. From, from a two-prong approach here, financially, does it make sense for UCLA to choose the Pac-12 over the Big Ten? And if UCLA does stay, does that give a lifeline to the Pac-12 for survival? Well, I think the Pac-12, first of all, can survive without UCLA. Um, would UCLA come back? I don't know. I think they would, you know, they've got a significant debt problem, $100 million, I read somewhere. Um, this will go a long way to get them out. Not sure what the Board of Regents is going to do. I think there's a meeting coming up on that, maybe today as well, um, which, you know, they are somewhat tethered to Cal. Yep. And whether or not the Board of Regents gets picky and says, okay, UCLA, you got to give some of your money to Cal because you're leaving them without a life raft. Um, so that, that's possible. I think if if there's any chance whatsoever for UCLA to come back, it's going to end up with the Pac-12 creating some sort of unlevel revenue share where <clears throat> certain schools, be it UW, uh, UCLA, Oregon, might ask for a bigger piece of the pie as opposed to just you know something that's divided by 10 or as it's been in the past, divided by 12. Yeah, 
What does it take for the Pac-12 to survive, in your opinion? What do they need? What can they do? Well, I think they're going to have to get at least a, a right steal. It's going to get everybody at, if you do equal revenue sharing, you know, 30 million more or less. So say $300 million uh, average So it, over the course of the deal, which will probably be five or six years. So you're looking to start, you know, <clears throat> in the 260, 270 range per year, five-year deal. You got to have to do something with the Pac-12 networks, and that could potentially add some value. I think, you know, one of the things we were talking about before I got cut off was where they, the mistake the Pac-12 made was going on their own. And so they never really got the clearance that the other collegiate networks got because they just didn't have the, they didn't have the juice, uh, the leverage, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So their other mistake was they went with seven feeds instead of one. You don't need seven feeds. Yeah. It's a mistake. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that nobody wants to carry seven feeds. Nobody watches seven feeds. You don't need seven feeds. It's just an extra expense. So, but what they can do now is they can, they do have an infrastructure. They do have some value to those rights. That might be of interest. You know, maybe that becomes your new streaming uh, bundle uh, for an Apple TV and Amazon, you know, one of those kind of streamers who's kind of biting, you know, dying to get in the game and wants a bite of the Apple. Uh, that could be a package that could conceivably generate more income for the conference uh, as part of a new, you know, a renewal of a rights deal. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that we hear so much about as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, what do you value as a, as, a, as a TV guy? What do you value the San Diego market as? Because San Diego State's a team that we've heard a lot about. Obviously, they've put a lot of money into infrastructure, facilities, growth in their, in their programs. Is San Diego a valuable TV market when you're talking about you know, the construct of a TV deal? Right. Well, it's you know, it's only about 1.2 million households. So it's, it's not Los Angeles, obviously at 5.7 million households. But I think the thing about San Diego state is <clears throat> does a couple of things. Number one, I always say, I compare San Diego state to Utah and say they did it the Utah way. They built their football program over the years. Their basketball program has been great. They're putting money into the facilities. They I'm actually down here right now. They've got a brand new stadium. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. 35,000 feet could go to 55,000 very easily, you know, top notch facilities. They've got some, some other issues that the PAC 12 might look at uh, and, and kind of go, Hmm, but <laughs> I think it's a, a reasonable candidate. The other thing is, you know, this is a, it is Southern California. I mean, basically Southern California runs from Santa Barbara all the way down to the Mexican border. And so while you don't get the LA market per se with a local school, you do are in Southern California. And that's very important for recruiting mm -hmm. uh, for all the schools outside of Southern California. You want to be able to tell your guys that, Hey, you know, you're going to get to San Diego to play. And, and if your family's in Orange County, LA, whatever, that's not that far right now. They, they don't have, they can't say that after, you know, UC, USC and UCLA leave. So it's, it's an important market. Um, the question becomes, all right, do you go to 11 or if you don't, you want to go to 12, who's the 12th? And yeah. that, that's all, you know, you, you get UNLV, Fresno State, hmm. Boise State, those type of conversations, SMU, if you try and poach Houston before they get in the Big 12, those type conversations come into play. Well, and you bring up UNLV, and I think everybody brings up UNLV because it's Las Vegas and everybody sees Las Vegas as this exploding market. I mean, do, does UNLV make sense? Because, A, their athletic program's not certainly a football program first. I mean, obviously, they're probably well more, more known for basketball, but does the Las Vegas market carry value? The Las Vegas market carries value primarily because of the market size. I, it's, it's hard to, 
you know, look at the school and say, oh, you know, they've got this deep seated history in football. <laughs> right. Uh, like you said, basketball, probably more than anything. Um, so I, that's a pure uh, market grab as opposed to a school grab. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I want to ask you specifically about Utah. And obviously, this is a program right now that's coming off of a Pac-12 championship, a, one of the right. best Rose Bowls any of us have seen in a decade. I mean, this is a very good program with tradition. You know the, you know the, the game at Utah. Mm-hmm. What is their value? Because a lot of people want to know, hey, let's say the Pac-12 implodes. What is what is Utah's value? Are they a candidate for somebody like the Big Ten? Or are they really in limbo waiting for the Pac-12 to, to make a decision in a direction? I don't know about Big Ten. I think all the corner schools certainly would be, uh, by that I mean Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, would be of interest to um, Big 12 because they're, you know, they're adjacent. Um you have a couple natural travel partners already with BYU, you know, moving into the big 12. So I, I think Utah's best case is PAC 12 sticks together and Utah kept, keeps doing what Utah has been doing the last yeah. few years, which is kicking Oregon's butt every time they meet. So. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> At least last year. Yeah. You know, and I, I think one of the interesting conversations is what you just brought up. Like you look at travel partners. Let's talk about BYU specifically. Obviously, uh-huh. BYU is a big brand. Um, the ESPN TV deal. When you look at it, BYU, independence for a decade, you know, how much value is in the BYU brand, in your opinion? I think there's a fair amount. I mean, they've, they performed at a high level. Um, BYU brings certain issues uh, just because of the church relationship and, you know, Will they play this day? Will they play that day? But the flip side to that is they have, you know, wide, wide popularity, uh, not only in the United States, but outside the United States. And so I think you get more than you give by bringing a BYU in. And I I, I was really glad to see them, you know, make that next step. I think they're certainly ready for it. They get, they have the support locally and they have the support nationally. So it's a, it was a, you know, and as a, Football, if you're not going to play Mountain West conference football and you're going to play football as an independent with these conferences getting bigger and bigger, it's harder to schedule good games. And yes. so if you want to be in the discussion for a national championship, it really is better off being in a conference that has a clear path to a playoff. How meaningful is BYU's national championship? Because we've talked to Bob Thompson, the former president at Fox Sports Networks. How how meaningful is it was 1984? And right. that's a huge debate in this state is like, hey, we've got a national championship. And how meaningful is something like a 1984 national championship to BYU's value? That's it's kind of outside of the current body of work. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 just been a little bit too long. I mean, it's like, you know, in Colorado and Notre Dame had a coin flip and I don't know what it was. They shared it. And nobody's <laughs> yes. talking about Colorado as a national championship champion right now. But, That's right. So, you know, the, the TV guys have short memories. It's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, and at I least think, in the last decade. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's my point. Like, I think, I think when you're trying to negotiate with yourself, and I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but from my perspective, I think Tom Homo, the athletic director at BYU, has done a remarkable job. When you talk about scheduling, I mean, he's put an impressive schedule together. Certainly, the Pac-12 
12, 10 now, is well aware of how good BYU is in football after last year. I mean, when you talk about the ability to schedule games the way that BYU has scheduled games, I mean, I would I would think that you would agree, and maybe you don't, but I would think you would agree that it's a pretty good feat what Tom Homo pulled off the last 10 years. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, he he's smart from that standpoint in that he knows that if he's going to have any chance of having a discussion for a, a slot in the in the playoffs, he's got to show he's got to show some wins over power five teams. San Diego State's the exact same way. I mean, they came in and cleaned up on the Pac-12 last year. And they, you know, if you're if you're in one of the lower five conferences or you're playing independent, you've got to show the quality wins um, in order yeah. to to make that step. The problem again, though, is as the conferences get bigger, you're going to have a harder time scheduling non-conference games because these conferences are going to go to nine nine games uh in conference and then you know you're going to play a couple of payday games to bring in you know someone who's who's you know you can beat on homecoming and it you know it, it doesn't leave a lot for Notre or for BYU I, and I actually think that at some point Notre Dame might have a similar situation because well isn't that the isn't that the 10,000 pound elephant in the room it's like does Notre Dame ever join a conference? And you know, right. one of the things I'd ask you about Notre Dame is there's been a, a lot of talk about, hey, maybe Notre Dame in the Big 12 can make a, a relationship with, with NBC where maybe that Notre Dame doesn't clearly not going to join the Big 12. I think if they joined a conference, it would probably be the Big 10. But Correct. if you if you're Notre Dame, is there any value in making a relationship between yourself in Notre Dame, the Big 12, and NBC? I think there's value for NBC to make a relationship with the big 12 and then separately Notre Dame. I don't think that Notre Dame has to necessarily do anything um, with the big 12 in order for that to happen. NBC has got to step up and pay Notre Dame what they think they're going to, what Notre Dame thinks they deserve, which is probably in the area of what a big 10 team thinks they deserve. Right. And then, you know, that gives no, that gives NBC X, you know, five, six Notre Dame home games. And then, you know, what NBC's problem has always been this Notre Dame games just kind of float out there in space. You have one every other week, every two weeks, every three weeks, you know, there's no consistency. So what NBC then has is they combine that with a package of big 12 games or say even pac 10 games or big 10 games, some package from somewhere that gives them a consistent Saturday football at that Notre Dame is either the lead in or the lead, you know, or is on the back end of the, the other conference they retain. And that way NBC has some consistency and something to promote and schedule around as opposed to just some one-off Notre Dame games floating around out there. You know, it's interesting also that what comes to my mind here is we're talking about 20 to $30 million in the PAC 10. We're talking about a hundred million dollars in the big 10 and, and the SEC, I think probably the SEC at this point wishes they had probably waited a minute before the CSP and ABC deal now. Right. But I mean, is it viable? Can you survive? And let's talk about the, the Big 12. If the Big 12 does a new deal with what they have now, which would be the big, you know, their, their 12 teams, right, or whatever, I guess it'd be 14 teams. If you do a deal on that right now, are you making more than you're making? Are you making more than $30 million? Are you, are you $40, $50 million at that point? You're going to make more than you're making now, primarily because that deal's stale. It's 10 years old. And, you know, they had... I think at the end, it'll actually be 12 years old or 13 yeah. years old. Um, so they haven't, they, you know, they missed a couple of jumps along the way. And that, you know, that was part of the problem with the Pac-12 too. They, they went for length because they wanted, they wanted a big number to say we got, you know, we got 
X billion. Well, the only way that Fox and ESPN were going to give him that is if it was over the course of a lot of years. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's we end up with a 12 year deal, you know, where the Big Ten has been smart and Delaney, Jim Delaney was always smart about it, is he kept his deal shorter. Um, in the expectation that, you know, things are going to change, things become more valuable as, you know, live sports value increases. And if I keep it short and I get ahead of everybody, I'd rather be setting the market than reacting to the market. And so that's where I think, you know, for the Big 12, they get more. I think, you know, you got to look and say, well, losing Texas and Oklahoma is just like using, losing USC and UCLA. That's half the value of the conference, we'll say. Yeah. And so while it doesn't necessarily equate to half the revenue because you're not giving those schools a share anymore, um, they're big schools and they carry Texas and they carry Oklahoma. And um, there's just a ton of Oklahoma fans in Texas as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think picking up, you know, the Florida markets, picking up uh, BYU. So they're into a new state there. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, having Houston is not Texas, but it's, you know, better than SMU. Um, So I think they've done a good job in shoring up their their flanks and shoring up the areas they've lost, adding some new areas. So I think they'll probably do a bit better. I think everyone's hoping that when the new college football playoff comes around, that's kind of like a payday it's going to you know, affect everybody in a couple of years. The one thing about the Big Ten deal that everybody has to understand is when, when people throw around numbers like $1.2 billion a year, you got to remember that's the average over the course of the year or over right. the course of the agreement. Right. So you say if it's a five-year deal, in the mid, mid-year, you're going to get uh, $1.2 billion. But earlier in that, you know, my guess is the, Pac-12, or the Big Ten payouts round one, the first year of the new deal will be closer to the $78 million range um, because they usually contain four, three to four or five percent escalators annually. So only $78 million. Yeah. It's Man, a well, let's, I know. Why are we even doing this deal, Bob? <laughs> that's incredible. We're talking about $24 million potentially in the pack 10 to $78 million yeah. in the big 10. I, I mean, think, I think the big 10 will average. Well, will average at least 30 million over the course, but they're going to start in the twenties, you know, yeah. unless they do unequal sharing and some guys, some guys will do better, you know, Stanford, Oregon, Washington will probably do better and Oregon state and Arizona, Washington state won't do so good. Yeah. Um, and one last thing on that, cause then I want to ask you about streaming before we let you go, but is, is there any chance that the big 12 comes out ahead financially of, of the PAC 12 in your opinion, like where, because it, I mean, it can't be, I mean, I can't believe the Pac-12 ends at, you know, $25 million. Let's call it 30 even. Right. Are you telling me that the Big 12 is under $30 million a year on average per school? That just, man, no. that doesn't seem like you can survive on that. No, I don't. I, I think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are going to be pretty par at the end of the day. I mean, they both lost their, they both lost their 800-pound gorillas. Yeah. Um, but what's left isn't bad. You know, I mean, you, you Look at the AAC, you know, would you want to be out there? I mean, look at the, look at the ACC. I mean, you know, they've got Clemson, they've got Florida State, they've got Miami and, they, you know, North Carolina makes an appearance every once in a while. But um, <laughs> it's it, it's hard to get beyond huge numbers for any, you know, for the Pac-12 or the Big 12 without the conference channels that, that really aren't contributing anything near what 
the SEC, ACC, and and Big Ten get from their conference channels. They're money so, makers. Let's talk about streaming before we let you go. Bob Thompson, okay. former president of Fox Sports, joins us here on the Monty Show. Let's talk about streaming. Like, I, I am amazed at deals like MLS made with Apple TV where all your games are on stream. Now, that sounds crazy to me, but is there any way, shape, or form that happens in college football? No, no not right now. I, the MLS deal is a little misleading. I think – if you look at MLS, it's basically what they took are all the regional network deals and the MLS sun version of Sunday Ticket. I, I'm not even sure right. what it was called. <laughs> um, and that's that's the Apple package. There will be probably an ESPN deal. There'll be probably maybe a Fox deal. You know, so the linear cable networks will pick up a game of the week type thing. But, um, you know, it, it was a big step for uh, Apple um you know prior to that they had a few you know friday night baseball game that was about it so it's a big step for them and apparently they're bidding on sunday ticket which seem they seem to be the favorite right now um but i don't see anybody going to a streamer other than for maybe a third tier type package uh you know maybe some bundle of non-conference football basketball games and then you know a chunk of olympic sports that type of thing can anybody besides ESPN make that well-rounded, you know, TV rights deal? Because I feel like ESPN, obviously they offer you ESPN, all of their networks, ABC, ESPN, the app, ESPN Plus. Like it feels like ESPN is almost a model for streaming and, you know, diversification across platforms. Is there anybody else who can compete with that? Uh, to touch all the various distribution modes, be it, you know, broadcast network, cable network, streaming, radio, international, I mean, apps, you name it, whatever. Um, yeah, ESPN is definitely the leader. I mean, you could, CBS can be close, but, you know, their cable network's not the greatest. NBC, same thing. Um, they got rid of uh, NBC Sports Network. They've got the RSNs, but they have USA Network where they can put sports on cable. And then they've got the broadcast network and they've got Peacock. And so they... You know, no radio compliment, but that's not that's probably the biggest least least of anybody's worries. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, but I, I tell you right now, Fox is probably sitting there going, well, I'm glad we didn't get in that streaming business because right now <laughs> it's not looking like, you know, the pandemic is over and everybody's looking at their credit card bills and going, how did I get all these subscription services? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And you're, okay. you're seeing it. You're seeing people drop. So before I let you go, we have to light the state of Utah on fire. And we have to ask you, who's got more brand value, Utah or BYU? <laughs> you moaned. I love it. Uh, in the Pac-12, Utah. In the country, BYU. Wow. <laughs> very, very good. Are you running for office in Utah? That is a great answer. Bob, I appreciate you very much, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, we'd love to talk to you again soon when uh, things change. But thanks for hopping on this morning. My pleasure. You guys have a good day. You too. That is uh, Bob Thompson, the former president at uh, Fox Sports. Um, and, and, you know, when he says that, hey, nationally, it's it's BYU and in the Pac-12, it's it's Utah. Jake, that was a that was a heck of an answer he gave right there. I mean, I think it makes perfect sense. You know, I, I, I think that's that's spot on. You know, nationally, BYU has a bigger brand in the state of Utah, in 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 uh, in Pac-12. Uh, in the conference, I think Utah has the bigger brand. I, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing to me that he talked about was 
that you have to figure out how to get more money for the Pac-12. That's the one of the big takeaways that I have. I think um, talking about San Diego State, he makes a great point. You know that that's 1.2 million homes versus six million homes in in Los Angeles. I think Bob made a, a very good point there that you have to in and you know like I don't know exactly how you how you do that, but you have to find value propositions. And you have to, this is going to be a dogfight. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 do not seem to be headed for a marriage. And I think when you look at what Bob talked about with Los Angeles, I think UCLA, I, I agree with Bob. I think the Pac-12 can exist outside of, of UCLA, even if they do leave. Um, but he also made a really good point that, you know, this Gavin Newsom thing and this Board of Regents and the relationship with the California education system, that's a significant player for UCLA. I mean, that is yeah. something that they have to, they absolutely have to, um, you know, they have to understand what that is and how you make that happen and how you make that, um, how do you make them, how do you make them whole? I don't know because uh, the politics in the state of California are ridiculously deep. Yes. The regulation in the state of California is ridiculously deep. But I also think the thing that he brought up that is really significant is, Oh, you know, in the Big Ten, it's $78 million a year, bro. <laughs> if you get a billion dollars or more a year, you know, if they do that, that's on average. He's not wrong. Yeah. But even at their low end, it's $78 million a year. Yeah, you got to get that money, man. That that's is about. That is absolutely incredible. I, I just don't know. And as far as Utah goes, I still maintain, I thought he made a really good point that the Big 12 is a comfortable fit for, for Utah because of your travel partner in BYU, because of the corner states and the corner schools where, you know, you can you can put all of those together and, and you can set that conference up any way you want. That makes the most sense. Yeah. But I think he he also brought up poaching Houston from the Big 12. And I think if you're the Pac-12, I don't know how George Klavkov has not called Houston because I'd be trying to damage them. I I, I really would. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. All right, let's get um, let's get some of your thoughts in here. Um, Tanner Plummer says, uh, I don't know, Steve. I think BYU's brand is becoming bigger than Utah in the Beehive State. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think it is. I think that BYU's brand is becoming larger, Tanner. I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think winning games is going to make or break you. Winning games is it's it's going to make or break you. Tanner says Bob basically admitted that BYU has a better brand than Utah. He didn't basically admit it. He said that BYU's got a bigger brand nationally. You know, Jake will clip that interview. It'll live on our on our on our our uh, YouTube channel, so you'll be able to answer his question. Um, you know, I, I just think that it's, it is really, it is really going to be interesting on how you, you know, how, how you do these things. Gabe Ledley says, can we ask Bob what he thinks the exclusive rights deal for an RSL podcast would fetch on the open market? There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a huge question. Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's, let's kind of put a wrap around this conversation because I think it's really important to understand What's at stake here? Yeah. Ultimately, where do you, who do you think makes more money, the Big 12 or the Pac-12? 
I mean, I think right now, like this year, I think it'll probably be the Big 12, but I think I could see a scenario where the Pac-12 is able to up their revenue shares. I, I could. I, I just think that the problem is, is I don't have a lot of confidence in their ability to make a deal. That's the thing. Like, I, I think the Pac-12 has what it needs to make a deal, but can they actually get it done? That's my biggest thing. So right now, I'd, I'd have to go Big 12. I think I'd have to go Big 12 as well. Um, I think they can both survive. There's a place for both of them. But if you are the Pac-12, you are, you are, in my opinion, man, you cannot lose another team. You cannot lose another brand. And if you really want to survive, I think you have to hope that UCLA has to, has to stay in the conference. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I think that's the only way that you can really leverage people. Because Bob's not wrong in that Southern California is Santa Barbara down to the border. I mean, mm-hmm. he's absolutely right about that. And I think if, if you have USC and UCLA, okay, great. You're the Pac-12. Well, USC ain't in this conference anymore. And USC ain't coming back. And if UCLA is there, I, I think there's absolutely value in San Diego State. And I still don't think that makes you $50 million per school per year. Agreed. Agreed. I don't. I think when you're looking at what the SEC and the Big Big Ten are doing, I think it makes it very difficult um, for survival there. I really do. By the way, by the way, do I not get any tip of the cap for banning the bots while I was interviewing Bob? Well done. It was really well done. Not, you know, Mrs. Monty banned the bots? She doesn't have her microphone today because we were doing an interview. So, uh, oh, Mrs. Monty commented. How about that? Mrs. Monty getting in on YouTube commenting. Saying damn bots. Yes! Duane, there you go. Yeah, Duane Boone said, enjoyed the Bob Thompson discussion. Got to go. Uh, got to go. See you later. Appreciate you, man. Uh, we have to go as well. Um, don't forget this show is presented by our good friends at Academy Mortgage. Jeffrey Davis in Academy Mortgage. 801-543-9666. NMLS number 278545. You need a mortgage? I'm telling you, you can afford to buy a house. Call Jeffrey Davis no matter where you're listening to us. 801-543-9666 for the best mortgage guy in the business. And make sure you go check out our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop. You want to win a trip for two to Las Vegas to see BYU and Notre Dame? Hook it up at Barbecue Pit Stop in Logan, Lehigh, Layton, Salt Lake City, and St. George. Fill out the slip, drop it in the box, and you could win a trip for two to Las Vegas to check out BYU and Notre Dame. Until tomorrow, Jake. Say goodbye, Mrs. Monty. Goodbye, Mrs. Monty.